Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by ShopFutsal.com, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the following edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan this week. Well... Kind of, sort of. Simon Provan had better things to do with himself this week and decided to go to the MLS All-Star Game, which I can't uh, halt him for at all. So uh, exciting opportunity for him to get to go and do that, of course. But uh, he'll be joining me uh, in the later part of the show. Uh, He'll have the full recap from the All-Star Game, from what he saw firsthand. And uh, he actually has a great interview that he does here coming up in the uh, fourth segment, I believe, with Seattle Rain FC captain Keelan Winters as well, so you're not going to want to miss that interview. We're also joined uh, in the second segment by MLS All-Star and Chicago Fire defensive left back Brandon Vincent as well, so it's definitely a great show in store for you today. We do want to take a minute to remind all of you, of course, that you can find us here on Fridays on the Sports Podcasting Network at 11.30 a.m. Central Time, on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on Spreaker.com. And then, of course, you can find us on social media, 2UpFront on Facebook, and then on Twitter, at 2UpFrontSoccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan as well. And our website, 2UpFrontSoccer.com, has all the latest information. We are selling T-shirts now as well, $15 a piece. Go and buy one today if you so choose. Your donations are greatly accepted, of course. All right, well, we've got a great show in store for you today, as we mentioned, and uh, usually... We In the first segment here, we talk about uh, the latest happenings, the latest news in the soccer world, and uh, this time uh, we are going to still be doing that, so don't think that we're not doing that, but we actually uh, are going to kind of turn it into more of a what the heck is going on in Seattle segment, and we have our great friend from Valley USA, a soccer editor, Chris Blakely, <coughs> joining us here on the program now to help us sort through all the madness in Seattle. Chris, how are you, sir? It's been far too long. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, sir. I, I feel like there hasn't been this much excitement and craziness in Seattle since the Seahawks won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Can you think of a more crazy week in Seattle recent history based off of everything that's been going on with the Sounders? Uh, I was going to say besides uh, hashtag Dempsey Watch back in 2013, I'd say this probably takes the cake. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely <laughs> been one of, those, uh, one of those weeks that as a Sounders fan, you sit there going, uh... Are we are we going to be okay? Are we going to get through all of this? But um, let's let's try to go back and walk through everything. Um, the week started off, Chris, 
first of all, thank you for being here. It's great to have you back on the show. Um, second of all, though, the, the big thing that many folks are stirring about is that the Seattle Sounders finally parted ways with longtime head coach Ziggy Schmidt. He was with the team for about seven and a half, nearly eight years and uh, he he's officially gone, and this is something that I saw was going to potentially happen earlier on in the season once we could kind of all tell that Seattle wasn't at the same place that we thought they were going to be, and now it has officially happened. What was your instant reaction, Chris, once you found out that Ziggy was gone and Seattle is now, at least for the moment, still head coachless? Uh, you know, honestly, I really wasn't surprised. I kinda, Obviously, as you mentioned just a moment ago, the writing's been on the wall. Um, especially the way I mean, they've just been absolutely terrible this year. Um, and I really think the the icing on the cake, if you will, was that lackluster effort they put in on Sunday on national TV against Sporting Kansas City, especially uh, that third and final goal that they allowed when uh, I believe it was Zach Scott had a terrible back pass and Sounders right back. Uh, Tyrone Mears just kind of stood there and watched Dom Dwyer attack the ball and, you know, put that, final nail in the coffin and at that point yeah. i just said to myself and honestly i looked at my wife and i said uh he's lost the team um, yeah i really think you know though i'll admit i was surprised they did it mid-season i was kind that of that was the big thing you know, yeah the year, that I then was... boom you're gone finding somebody else but i'm also not i'm really not surprised that they did it mid-season because you know that there still is 14 games left true there I is mean... a very very slim outside chance of qualifying for the playoffs don't hold your breath, but it is MLS. Anything can happen. All it takes is a couple teams to stumble, and the Sounders, you know, they win. If they, as an example, let's say they win five or six in a row, all of a sudden they go from 20 to 38 points and they're right in the hunt. So, yeah, exactly. But I'm not shocked. Writing's on the wall. I actually wrote an article on Monday about how it was time for Ziggy to go, and then the next morning he was fired. It's almost so, like you had the inside scoop on it or something, Chris. They, you know, the Sounders <laughs> were sitting there in their office going, you know, this Blakely guy, he knows what he's talking about. Ziggy, you're done. Get out of here. You know, just I, I wouldn't I, go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. But I, I'm curious too, Chris. I mean, you, you missed it by about a week if you're a Sounders supporter with Jason Christ now being taken off the, off the, 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 the market basically. <laughs> How exciting would it have been for you and Sounders supporters if Jason Christ would have been the new head coach instead of potentially whoever else they decide to bring in now? You know, honestly, he's always been one of my top two that I would have loved to have. But uh, I've been kind of, you know, with a lot of the people that write about the Sounders out here in Seattle, there's a lot of speculation that uh, Christ and uh, Garth Lagerway, the GM and president of soccer for the Sounders, there's a lot of speculation saying that they don't want to work together. Obviously they worked well in Salt Lake. They obviously they, they won MLS cup in 09 yep, and so yep. forth, but they also both want to kind of tr- prove that they can do it on their own. Mm, now, personally, okay. yes, I would have loved to have had Jason Christ here in Seattle, especially with his patented four, four, two with the diamond midfield, which yep. I think would be perfect for this team. Uh, especially right now after the other news that broke this morning. Um, but it's one of those things to where I kind of I, I, I applaud Orlando. They did the right thing. They went after him right away, knowing that he was free. Um, I am a little bummed, but also I understand it. You know, he I, honestly, I don't think he would have came here anyway. There's too many 
head coaches out there that I think the Sounders are going to go for. And I th- honestly, personally, I, I feel that Christ would have been towards the bottom of that list. Do you do you have any insight at all to some of the possible names swirling around for this head opening job now, or is it still too early to know? Um, for me, my personal opinion, I would love to see Mike Pecky come here in the Seattle. Um, I mean, look what he did with the New York Red Bulls, take you know, taking over a team that – had superstars constantly overachieve, or excuse me, underachieve, not overachieve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his first year as a head coach, he, he leads him to the Supporter Shield. Granted, excuse me, Supporter Shield. Granted, they didn't win the MLS Cup or even make the final, but, you know, he still sh- showed that he can take a team that's been underachieving and get them to the next level. Yes. Um, yep. Granted, he was fired unceremoniously prior to the 2015 season, which it's still a mystery, shocked honestly. me. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and my thing is, is like I kind of wonder. How, you know, I know they got a new GM and all that other stuff in the front office. Maybe he just didn't like him. Uh, but I would personally, I would love to see Mike Pecky. Um, come uh, a couple other names. Obviously, you got your Bob Bradley, who's doing well over there in, in Europe, and the list goes on. And you know, it's just sure. there's too many to choose from, and it is a high profile job, regardless of what how people may actually perceive that. But it is a very high profile job. Oh yeah, the Seattle's gonna. You know, Adrian Hanauer, he's going to want to make a big – he wants to make a splash. He wants to make that big signing. He wants to get Seattle's name brought up again, and I don't blame him. I mean, there's a couple other names floating around that uh, Matthew Dole of uh, MLS uh, Soccer put out, and there was a very intriguing one. Um, it would be breaking a few barriers if you can mm. <laughs> catch the drift <laughs> there as possibly bringing in a female head coach. Oh, Okay. I like for one of the potential like U.S. women's national team coaches or just somebody else. That would be the name that kind of floated around Jill Ellis. And uh, it would be very intriguing. I could see it, but I could also see it not happening just because. Jill Ellis, how interesting. Would a major league. Go ahead. I was just saying that would be incredibly interesting, honestly. I mean, you talk about someone that knows how to deal with high profile athletes as well. I mean, the entire U.S. women's national team is full of them, but. At the same time, I mean, she's proven that she knows how to win a championship, and now she's going to try to win a, an Olympics this year, too. Uh, as you as you said, though, Chris, I really doubt it would happen, but it's such an intriguing thing. Now that you mention that, it's, I'd never even thought about, you know, a possible crossover in that regards. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, I mean, somebody made a very good point. Actually, I believe it was in, in Mr. Doyle's article there that, if she goes and leads the U.S. to an Olympic gold, what else does she have to prove? I yeah, mean, she's a. I mean, she's up. She's done everything. I mean, I, I don't think it would happen personally. I saw another female head coach's name pop up, being just from uh, technically, I guess, just up the road a little bit farther at Memorial Stadium with Laura Harvey. Oh, I don't know. Personally, I cover the rain as well as the Sounders. I, I love the job she's done with the rain and I think she'd be better suited. I don't think she would be quite ready to make that jump. What about somebody um, like Abby she, Wambach that's just hanging around right now with nothing better to do? Uh, I don't, mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I'd like to see what she could do on a coaching level before you bring her into a major league soccer. Sure. <laughs> or even you got, I mean, Landon Donovan's talked about getting his higher coaching license as well too. I mean, we've seen former, you know, players become <clears throat> head coaches in MLS before, you know, Jason Christ, Jay Heaps, Ben Olsen, just to name a few there, but <laughs> yeah. could, could you imagine Landon Donovan coach of the Seattle Sounders? 
I think hell would freeze over before that would happen. But hey, stranger <laughs> things have happened. But you know, going back to what you said too, Chris, about you know the Sounders needing to make a big splash. They did make a big splash, at least in the transfer market for players, and they were able to go out and sign somebody to, to officially get their third DP kind of sewn in. Uh, who is that guy, and what does he bring to the team this year? Uh, Nicholas. Um, I'm gonna mispronounce his name, but I was. Ladeo, I believe is how it's actually how it's pronounced. Um, he played most recently with Boca Juniors. Uh, he's 27 years old. He's a Uruguayan national team player as well. He played in the Copa America this past summer here in the U.S. Uh, he's a attacking midfielder, left-footed. Wow. Um, he's got great speed. From you know all the, f- I'll admit I don't know a lot about him. I don't watch a lot of the Argentina Premier Division soccer. Not many um, but the highlights do. I've watched of him over the last week or so, he's been uh, he's 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 deadly. He's great with free kicks. Good. That's um, he's got a lot of speed, and he can distribute the ball. Hey, that is <laughs> Sounders' biggest issue all year. They don't have that playmaker on the field. Uh, last few years, basically, they've just relied on Obafemi Martins and Clint Dempsey working one. You know off of each other and then just sit back and absorb the counter and then, or excuse me, absorb the attack and then boom, feed it out to over Clint and let them do their thing. And next thing you know, you got two goals, you're up two to nothing and you're fine. Yep. Well, obviously with Martin's leaving and going to the Chinese league this year, they've lacked that. Yes. Jordan Morris has played great, but he's a rookie. I mean, you can't put all that. You pressure can't on put that he's much not... on Jordan Morris. Yeah. He's far too young. Exactly. And then him and Dempsey just don't quite seem to be, clicking right now no and they don't really have a true midfielder that can distribute the ball and honestly i really think nico as they like to call him what they call him is he mm-hmm. i think he's going to be that player Interesting. Now, do i think he's going to make that big of a difference the final 14 games of the season who knows i mean if that was the one piece that was lacking which trust me there's a lot more but if that say, was the one yeah. piece that could get them over the hump and somehow squeak into the sixth spot who knows what can happen Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting transfer, obviously. I mean, you can play the what-if game up and down, of course. You know, what if Obafetti Martins had not been sold? You know, would Seattle still be struggling, you know, to be in second from the last in the Western Conference right I now? I could answer that for you right now. That That's a no. They would not be struggling if Oba was still here. They didn't replace him with anybody. That's been their biggest issue. Exactly. No, I completely agree with you on that one, too. And and one guy that maybe thought folks would thought would step up to, you know, to, to fill even more so of a role than he already would when, when Martins left was Clint Dempsey. But we haven't even seen that much from him this, so far this season, Chris. And now, at least rumors coming out, at least an article that I've seen here on StarsAndStripesFC.com is saying that Clint Dempsey is apparently very unhappy in Seattle and maybe wants to leave after after another after his contract is done. Does that have any real water to it, or is it that just a, a foolish thing that is just being thrown around the uh, the soccer universe? Well, you know, to, honestly, today's the first time I had actually come across that. I came across it this morning. Um, after I had tweeted out something regarding a quote Garth had put after releasing, or excuse me, agreeing to mutually part ways with Ziggy. Um, I read this article. I believe that the gentleman, it was actually, he writes for Soccer Wire, and his name's Charles Bowen, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. I believe so, um, yeah. He's the one that actually first kind of broke that news, and yep. then Stars and Stripes ran with that. Yes. Um, it, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, as if anybody hasn't read the article, you know, it, it specifically states that 
who knows how long it's been, but as a, at least as of recently, Ziggy or excuse me, uh, Dempsey quit speaking with Ziggy, and he's only talked to like one or two coaches. Um, so obviously that's an issue. That right there shows you, you know, Ziggy's lost all the locker room because I mean, you have a player on your team who's your highest played player, and he's not talking to the head coach. Yeah. What type of example does that show to the rest of the team and to the young players? You know, such as a Christian Roldan and a Jordan Morris. You're like, oh, hey, this U.S. international superstar, you know, he's not talking to the coach. You know, why is it okay for him to do it? And th- th- it's just, I don't I don't have any insight personally because I, I don't have all those sources that everybody else does. Sure, but sure. It, I, it doesn't surprise me. And his body language has just been yeah. absolutely horrible. Oh, and that's the biggest thing. Years. I mean, even us, even watching him for the national team, too, he just didn't look like he cared. Like, to, to put it frankly, he didn't yeah. look like he gave a damn, Chris. Like, And I feel like he hasn't really this entire season with Seattle or with the men's national team. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what, what switched in Dempsey's head, but he hasn't looked like he's really cared about soccer at all over the last maybe calendar year as a whole. But... If he does leave Seattle, does he go back to Europe? Does he go to another team in MLS? No. Does he maybe jump ship and go play for a new expansion team and be one of their focal points for a year or two? It's not like he's 25 and has, you know, 10 years of his career left, Chris. He's, he's early 30s and has, you know, maybe two or three really good years at the most left of his career. So I, I don't. does he go? Does he stay? What, what do you think is actually going to come out of all of this? Well, my thing is, is if I remember reading correctly, he's in, he's under contract until 2017, I believe the end of 2017. I may be mistaken, but that's what I believe I read earlier. Yep, that's correct. Earlier. Okay. Um, you know, the thing is, is what MLS club is going to take on his salary? I mean, True. there's he's only gonna a, be a DP that can actually really afford that. You got your Galaxy, who somehow have 12 DPs on their team. And then you have <laughs> the New York Red Bulls. You know, they make a lot of money. New York, you know, New York City FC, they make a lot of money. I could possibly maybe see, you know, L- I believe LAFC starts next year. Is that correct? Um, I do believe so, yes. LAFC okay, and I, Atlanta. Or no, I'm sorry. Minnesota Atlanta. and Atlanta start next year. LAFC and whatever, David Beckham, Miami United, whatever, FC start in 2018. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I could totally see him, you know, maybe for a year. You know, maybe his contract ends at the end of the 2017 and with one of the new teams, he says, oh, you know what, I'll go give it a year or two. Yeah. And then right off to the sunset. Personally, I do not see him going back to Europe because he's not the same player that he was anymore. Agreed. Yeah, um, absolutely. But also, you never know. Maybe this coaching change all of a sudden and, hey, you got a new coach and the interim coach, Brian Schmetzer. You got a new player. All of a sudden, you know, maybe Clint's like, you know what? We still have a chance at this, and all of a sudden, you know, he starts scoring at will, and the Sounders look like the Sounders of 2014 again. Who knows? I mean, it's it's a stretch. That is obviously a very big stretch. It's not the same. It's not the I same supporting cast. Well, yeah, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't see they're not going to be able to unload him because I don't see an MLS club unless it is an expansion club saying, "Hey, okay, we'll take his salary on. We'll give you a couple draft picks. We'll give you an international spot. Whatever." But I, I foresee him having to play out his career, and then that might here in Seattle until 2017, and then yeah. that kind of be it. And that's, I think, another thing to keep in mind, though, too, is teams like Orlando and the Galaxy. I mean, how long realistically does a guy like Robbie Keane have left in the tank? I mean, what if Robbie Keane retires after the 2017 season, or even after this season, two calls it quits? Suddenly, you open up a DP spot at that forward position. Clint Dempsey, you know, would potentially entertain the idea of going and playing for Bruce Arena again and, you know, down in L.A. 
that could be a, a big move down there. Or, you know, Kyle Lahren's rumored to be leaving Orlando at some time, too. So the cap money would be there. And who knows, he maybe, you know, Dempsey goes and plays for Jason Christ down in Orlando, another bigger market team at that moment that, you know, has a decent supporting cast. You know, those are obviously just two two quick ideas off the top of my head. I mean, I, I don't know what other teams would want to go to bat for him, but just two possible ideas of potential vacancies. Yeah, I could, you know, honestly, I could see, I mean, it's, it's soccer, anything could happen. I mean, it's, as anybody knows, uh, the world of soccer, you don't think you know, the minute you think you have it figured out, it's it all goes completely yep. the other way. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't ever try to do that. You know, I don't ever try to figure that out. I just kind of go with what I hear and I'm like, okay, I think this might happen. And then what do you know? I wake up the next morning and the complete opposite happens. Um, you know, it, it should really be interesting to see how Seattle responds on Sunday when they host LA Galaxy for the third time in like 12 days or excuse Seriously, me, 22 days, I, I believe I, it is. I, if I see one more the Seattle Sounders or Portland Timbers game on ESPN, I'm going to slap somebody. It's every other day, I swear. <laughs> but, you know, I was talking with somebody else yesterday after Ziggy was, you know, let go, and I was saying, hey, you know what, maybe this is the wake-up call the players need because, you know what, the way these guys have been playing – they keep playing like this the rest of the year. They're not going to have a job in Seattle, let alone another MLS club. Yeah. So exactly. I really think you're going to see a different Seattle team this, on Sunday. And a lot of it will depend on if Nico can get his P1 visa and international uh, clearance certificate. Or if he gets all that before Sunday, uh, the coach and the GM both said he will play Sunday. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got that attacking option, yada, yada, yada. And then once Roman Torres comes back, everybody forgets about Roman Torres. Now, granted, the Sounders' defense hasn't been horrible up until the last two games where they've given up six goals. But prior to that, they've been giving up just over a goal a game heading into that game against FC Dallas. So, I mean, it's not a stretch. But it, you, know, you get Roman Torres back, sure. and then you got Nico rolling. You're good to go. Absolutely. All right. Well, Chris, I appreciate your insight. We got to run to a break. Uh, when we come back, as we mentioned, Brandon Vincent of the Chicago Fire and MLS All Star Team will be with us. Hang with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Two Up Front is the American soccer show on the Sports Podcasting Network. Join Baxter Colburn and Simon Proven on Fridays at 11.30 a.m. Central as they cover all things American soccer with weekly guests from the pro, college, and youth ranks and digging deep into the American professional leagues. Two Up Front gives you the insight you're looking for. Airing at 11.30 a.m. Central on SportsPodcastingNetwork.com, it's Two Up Front, the world's game from an American perspective. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn, just alone here for this interview today. Simon Proven had to run for a moment, and we uh, had to do this interview as it was scheduled. But uh, we've got another exciting interview for you here on the show. We head all the way out to uh, California, not to talk to a member of the Galaxy or the San Jose or any of those other great people out there, but uh, to talk to a, a first-time MLS All-Star and a member of the Chicago Fire as well. We are joined on the phone now by number three of the Chicago Fire, our defender, Brandon Vincent. Good afternoon, Brandon, and welcome to Two Up Front. 
Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. You're very welcome. So what's it like out there, Brandon? Uh, the big all-star game, the, the craziness, the, the media, everything. I mean, did you, did you think in your wildest dreams that as a rookie you would be representing the Chicago Fire in the all-star game this season? <laughs> uh, honestly, no. I had, I had no idea. Um, you know, obviously I hope for the best, but, you know, I thought the all-star thing was, you know, a long chop. I've been working hard, so you know, I'm really excited to be here, and it's it's awesome, all the fanfare and the media and everything. It's, it's really cool to be a part of the bright lights and, and get a taste of it, so I'm really excited. I can imagine, yeah. What's been your favorite part so far about being out there uh, very close in the beautiful city of San Jose? Uh, I, I mean, going to school here, it's been nice to just come back out to the West Coast and the Bay Area and uh, see some friends and, you know, getting to interact with the fans that all around here just, it's it's really exciting environment, and I think MLS and just everybody participating in the event is doing a great job of of uh, making uh, making soccer relevant, and and that's really exciting. Speaking of being relevant, Brandon, as we mentioned, you are a rookie for the Chicago Fire, and unfortunately, their season has been not nearly as you know maybe uh, successful as you or you know the, the the coaching staff would have wanted but you've been a bit of a bright spot for them so far can you walk us through what it's been a little bit i mean you've played 13 games you've started in 12 of those which as a rookie in any league is incredibly you know impressive of course but what have you seen so far from your club and how have you been able to you know get yourself acquainted with the league so far uh i mean it's been you know obviously like you said you want to you want to win all the time but um for me personally, it's been great to just be able to get on the field and get a get a chance to test myself out there with the guys. And I mean, Chicago Fire is a great organization, a great club, and the results haven't come the way we wanted quite yet. But I think um, the staff and, and the guys in the locker room are doing a great job of building that that core group um, and that foundation that will definitely uh, lead us forward and a lot of success in the in the coming years. So. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think there's a lot of optimism. I'm looking forward, even though you don't see the direct results on the field. I think there's a lot of building being done, and, and I think uh, it'll come to fruition soon. So um, it's been it's been great being a part of it, and I'm just really excited and lucky to have the opportunity to be a part of such a great club. Absolutely. I can completely understand that. Talking with Brandon Vincent of the Chicago Fire and a 2016 MLS All-Star here on 2 Up Front. Well, Brandon, as you mentioned, too, I mean, about what's going on with the Chicago Fire, everybody knows the history of the Chicago Fire. Just a absolutely, you know, incredible organization. Peter Wilt started the team, you know, way back in the early 90s, and it's just incredible how it's grown do you feel that because you guys are in the Eastern Conference, which you're not that far out of a playoff spot right now, do you have enough time left in the season to kind of turn things around and possibly even grab one of those bottom two or three playoff spots? Or is the, is the season going in a different direction now from what you've heard from the coaching staff? I mean, with, with how tight things are, you know, you see the standings in the Eastern Conference, I think anything can change very quickly. A team gets on a, on a streak and you know, all of a sudden they're in the picture if they weren't before. So I think for us, it's just a matter of keeping that, that positive mentality and knowing that we can get results and, and just take it a game, game by game. Um, and then as we start to build our confidence on a run, then, you know, things can, can change for the better. And I think that's, that's what we're focused on. So, um, you know, you always have to have the mentality that um, you're going to do well and, and perform better. So that's just what we're focused on. Do you feel like because you have yet to win on the road this season for Chicago that that might be one of the reasons why your season maybe hasn't gone as many folks had planned, or has there just been a general difficulty as a whole? I mean, because we know soccer, any time away you're from your home venue, it's obviously a lot harder to win on the road. But 
you guys are 0-8-2 right now on the road, and certainly you got to be able to win on the road, especially come playoff time. No, definitely. Um, that's a huge part of it, and I think that's something that we're working on, obviously, the streak um, is much less than ideal, but um, I think for the guys, when we go into the road environment, it's just a matter of trying to play the way we do at home, and I think we're getting better at it. You know, when we're on the road, we don't, you know, we still, we're keeping games tight and we're keeping games close. It's a matter of little things here and there that could win and lose the game. So as we start to fine tune those things, I think the road results will come a lot easier and, um, and yeah, it'll, it'll be better. I'd agree with you on that one. It's, it's so incredible to look at it. I mean, even just looking across the, even the Eastern Conference, I mean, the second place team in the East right now, the Red Bulls, they've only won once on the road. It's, it's incredible. I mean, you, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, a win here, a, a draw there can make all the difference come playoff time. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you guys still have plenty of time. Uh, flipping over more to the All-Star game here for a moment, Brandon, it's not like you guys are going to face, you know, a U23 team or any. You guys are facing Arsenal, and they are bringing a good majority of guys that fans around the world are, are very well familiar with. Is there anybody that you've kind of picked out yet that you're saying, hey, I am so excited to go into that first challenge against, you know, this guy, or after the game, I really hope I can, you know, maybe exchange jerseys with this guy? Or have you had an opportunity to kind of to hone in on a couple of guys that you're really looking forward to matching up with? Uh, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's, it's you know, you're a fan at, at some point, but I mean, you're also a competitor. So yep. I think, um, you know, when you're playing against the guys, obviously they're all amazing players, world-class players. So, you know, just being on, be able to step on the field with any of those guys is, is an honor and, and something that I'm really looking forward to. Um, as far as players in general, I don't have anyone else specifically. I think just playing against a club of that magnitude, you know, that, on the world stage is just something in itself to be very excited about. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even talking about it, though, too, you talked about world-class players. I mean, you get to go up against guys like, you know, Theo Walcott and Jack Wilshire and a couple other guys that, you know, are household names not only for Arsenal fans but Premier League fans as well. One thing I'm curious about, too, Brandon, and it's, you know, totally up to you if you want to answer this or not, we've heard from the league that, you know, sometimes they enjoy, they, they like the fact that they take the best of MLS and they play a team from Europe. And then we've heard the arguments about, well, we'd rather have an East-West kind of an all-star game. Do you, from a player's perspective, have a preference one way or another? Do you like all the pomp and circumstance of playing a, a European club? Or would you rather go East versus West for maybe more interleague all-star play like we see in pretty much every other style of, uh, of all-star game in professional sports? I don't know. I think it's, you know, there's pros and cons to each, obviously, with the way the league is growing, I think it's a good thing to bring clubs of that magnitude into the U.S. and and spread the the fanfare and the the sport in that way. Um, but at the same time, you do want to have kind of that homegrown feel of things where you do want to see the you know the best players in your own league play against each other. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think the way they're doing it now, it's it's a good it's a good thing, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I you know I'm I'm we'll see how they change things in the future whether it do or not but as for now i think um with the way the league's growing and the, how soccer how important soccer is becoming to this country i think um everything's on the right track and obviously i'm sure they're open for suggestions and, and debate so um we'll see 
Yeah, I've I've heard uh, rumors about people saying, well, why doesn't you know they partner with EA Sports maybe and do like kind of like a skills competition, you know, like in those <laughs> those opening sequences that you see when you launch, you know, your FIFA game sometimes, you know, those one on one weird competitions and stuff that you can do. But I, I do agree with you though in that sense, Brandon. That I mean, it's it's a unique opportunity too because you know MLS clubs can't play you know the European Champions League, so you guys don't get an opportunity as players to to go over and play the Arsenal's, the Bayern Munich's, the Real Madrid's at times when they come over. So. It's a unique opportunity, and you know, would you would you say that it getting this experience makes you better as a player? Or is it more so just like, a, hey, I'm looking to try to just improve on my game personally and show MLS coaches that I, you know, I know what I'm doing? It's it's a mixture of both for sure. You wanna you wanna go out and enjoy the game and enjoy the atmosphere and everything that's you know being put forth, but at the same time, these are the best of the best uh, in the world, and you ultimately want to test yourself and see how you stack up. So. Um, I think, you know, there's an enjoyment factor, but at the same time, you, you know, the competitor and every player wants to see how they do and um, ultimately compete when it gets down to game time. So um, it's it's finding the right balance of it and, and uh, just making sure it's a, overall a good experience. Can you take us back, if you can, Brandon, for a moment to what happened on MLS Super Draft Day? Uh, you were you were drafted by NYCFC, and then just moments later, you found out that you were traded over to Chicago. Did you even find out the news that you had been drafted to New York before all of a sudden you found out that you were shipped off to Chicago? Where you or how did how did that whole process work? And from a player's perspective, that must have been well, a little confusing too. Yeah, so I I was uh I was at um. My first U.S. national team camp, the January camp, and I got to watch the the live stream of the of the draft happening. So, you know, all I know was anybody else watching it would know. So I didn't have much idea what was going on. Um, I saw the first couple of picks go by, and then I heard my name called. And I mean, I'm just ex- excited in general to hear my name called yeah, that high. Yeah. So um, anything at that point was amazing, and all the details kind of worked themselves out. Um, Chicago trading, um, trading for me. So um, I was kind of, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really know how everything was working, but I was just happy to hear my name called and um, got in contact with Chicago soon after and, and they welcomed me um, and, you know, the rest is history. So. Have you been kind of playing the what if game a little bit right now, looking at where NYCFC is in the standings and where you as Chicago are right now, saying, hey, I wonder what it would have been like to be a part of a, a, a conference leading team right now instead of one more towards the bottom? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you could say that about all the teams in the draft, you know, but I think New York City has done a great job with, you know, being a new club and, and building theirs. I think we're in a similar situation where we're starting to build a new foundation and then grow. So, um, and I think we're, I'm happy to be a part of Chicago Fire and where I am. And I'm obviously any team success is great. Um, and I, I think ours will come. So I'm just excited about it. Awesome. Well, Brandon, we really appreciate you taking time here on Two Up Front today. You can catch Brandon Vincent at left back for the Chicago Fire wearing that number three jersey. But you also can catch him on Thursday night as well as the MLS All-Stars take on Arsenal. That game is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 4.30 Pacific. You can watch it on ESPN and Unimas, TSN, and RDS as well. Brandon, congratulations on the All-Star selection. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back in the Fire jersey soon and hopefully uh, back on the program as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me. You're very welcome. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more in store for you. Stay with us. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. Stay right here. 
Welcome back to Two Up Front, where we're talking about the world's game from an American perspective. Joining us now on the phone as part of our women's soccer spotlight is NWSL Bundesliga and Australian League veteran, as well as midfielder and captain of the Seattle Reign, number 11, Keelan Winters. Keelan, welcome to Two Up Front. Uh, thank you for having me. Let's get right into it, Keelan. First thing I want to mention, we actually do have a Milwaukee connection, so we're based out of Milwaukee, and uh, your dad Uh, actually, yeah, your dad actually played for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, he did. (laughs) Part of the, uh, part of that famous Kareem Abdul-Jabbar trade. (laughs) Yeah, and my my mom is from uh, Green Bay, so I still have lots of family back in the area. Uh, Well, then that begs the question, are you a Packers fan at all? Uh, I'm actually, I don't really have an allegiance uh, towards any team, Um, and of course, if my mom was in the car with me right now, then my answer would be, well, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Well trained, good, good. (laughs) Well, let's get into uh, the sport that we like to talk about on the show, Keelan, and that is soccer, and of course, uh, NWSL season, it's been a bit up and down for Seattle this year, but a big win this past weekend. 5-2 5-2 over the Orlando Pride. Uh, great games all around, but, uh, you know, like to highlight especially yourself, Kendall Fletcher, played awesome in the back and obviously got a goal as well. Jessica Fishlock had a great game. Um, so it's been up and down for Seattle. Is this the win that launches Seattle into uh, perhaps a winning streak? I sure hope so. Uh, this This season has been different uh, from the last two seasons, uh, because at this point in the season, uh, the last two years, uh, we've been definitely in the in the top three, uh, and at this point last year, we were kind of pulling away from everybody. Uh, we ended up winning the league regular season by like 13 points, I think, so at this point, we're, I think, in fifth or sixth place, uh, two points behind a couple of teams, so if we get another win in Portland this weekend, we'll We'll be caught back up with everybody, uh, but definitely we needed we needed the win uh, this past weekend. But even maybe even more so, I think we needed a, a good performance, and I think this was our best game in the season so far. And I know there's still work to be done, um, but one thing that our coach Laura Harvey has always told us is that if you you know put in a good performance, the result will take care of itself, and that was the case this weekend. Yeah, one of the things, too, that, that I've noticed since July 2nd uh, was obviously you had Kuasami come into the team. Seems that she's been a little bit of the medicine that Seattle's been looking for. You know, a couple of draws in there, a couple of wins with her on the team. And, of course, you know, you got this big game against Portland. What's it like playing with somebody yeah, who obviously has the, the Olympic experience, the World Cup experience? Yeah, you, just, you can't uh, replace that experience. She is... An amazing teammate. She, the, how comfortable she is on the ball, uh, is something that she adds so much to this team. And in in a league like the NWSL, where it's fast, it's very high pressure. You need somebody who can get on the ball under immense pressure and still maintain the composure. And uh, Naho is that. I mean, the amount of uh, times that she's able to receive the ball under pressure and, and create and create with composure. It kind of calms the whole team down. Uh, and, yeah, as soon as she's come in, um, I mean, her first game back here in Seattle, I think she had two goals. Uh, so I think that speaks for itself. July 2nd, two goals against uh, the Boston Breakers in her first game yeah. back. 
Uh, you did mention your game against Portland coming this weekend. Of course, Portland has several players out on international duty. I think it's about five or six of them. You've done well against uh, against Portland this season, two draws so far. They're kind of a wooden animal without their without some of their superstars. Is this when Seattle gets the buck the trend and get the first win in this Cascadia Derby? I think so. And I, you mentioned that they are missing some of their key national team players. So uh, from from our point of view, while we're missing Hope and Megan Rapino um, due to the Olympics, I think that we have players like Nalo Kawasumi. Uh, we have Kim Little, Jess Fishlock, and now's the time when we really have to, to take advantage of, of their players that they don't have, and we really need to win the next two games against them. And, and if we do that, then uh, we're putting ourselves in a very good spot uh, gearing towards the playoffs. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, last year you guys finished the season on an eight-game uh, winning streak, or unbeaten streak, rather. Do you see that possibly happening? I mean, you've got the Olympic break coming up, so uh, you know some of the injuries that you do have, they'll get to rest their legs and 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 whatnot. But but do you see a possibility of repeating what you did last year? Sure, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, however, I will say that going into the season, uh, after speaking with Laura in preseason, something that she definitely wanted to make sure of this year was that we we peak at the right time. Uh, so if you look back at last year's semifinal game, uh, we probably played the best we played all season. So you can argue that we peaked one game too early. Uh, we ended up losing. We ended up losing in the final game uh, for the second year in a row, and so that one really stung. And I think going into the season, that was that was our focus and our drive. So while we, you know, may have dropped a few points up until this point. Um, it was not that we intended to drop points, but we we were preparing for this season with the idea in mind that we need to peak at the right time, and we want to play our best game in that final game and bring home the championship to Seattle. Yeah, it has been an out of a se- odd season, hasn't it, for Seattle, but also for Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City wins the league last year, and they're still battling at the bottom of the table. Yeah, and I think, you know, Kansas City, they have a... Sid LaRue got pregnant, um, Amy Rodriguez, again, uh, pregnant, so, you know, they're, they're missing two of their biggest goal scorers, so, uh, and to not only two of their biggest goal scorers, but uh, two of the biggest goal scorers in the whole league, so uh, that's obviously going to be a tough one, uh, tough two players to replace, I don't think you can replace those two, uh, so... Yeah, it's been a different year for Kansas City, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that they'll be back in years to come. I have no doubt about that. Talking with Keelan Winters of the Seattle Reign here on 2 Up Front. Keelan, I do have to ask you one question about the July 9th game against Western New York Flash. We won't spend a lot of time because I don't like to focus too much on the past. However, it was disappointing, obviously, from a fan's perspective to see a game played on a field that was about 58 yards wide, if even maybe 100 yards long, you know, every... Every goal kick goes to the other team's penalty area. Every throw-in ends up being a long throw-in. Basically, any restart is, a, is is taken from a dangerous place. I've had a few people ask, was there ever a moment that both teams looked at the field and said, we can't we can't do this? Or was it, hey, these are the conditions, we're going to go on and play? Yeah, I think that the hard part is as a player that you should never be put in that um, role where you show up to a game 
you travel all the way across the country and you show up to uh, the venue and say, now we're not going to play on this field. I mean, that, that should never happen. Uh, and it should never be put on the players or the coaches to make that decision. Uh, I think that it could have been dealt with well beforehand, but it wasn't. Um, but I think moving forward, for one, I don't think that will ever happen again. And for two, I think the NWSL has done a lot of really good things. We're in, we're in our fourth year uh, as, a, as a league, uh, which is one year longer than every other league has lasted. And I think there's reasons behind that uh, with the support of U.S. soccer and the other national team uh, federations and associations uh, has been massive. And uh, I think, like, YouTube video views has gone up, like, some crazy percentage (laughs) in the last year. And so moving forward, you know, hopefully we're going to have, you know, in years to come, a TV deal. I think slow growth is going to happen over, over years. Um, unfortunately, you're going to have every once in a while, you're going to have some sort of setback. Um, but it's just, you know, how you deal with it as, as players and as coaches and as, as administration. And, you know, I think Jeff Plush has, you know, came out and, and apologized. Um, and and genuinely, you know, as, that... genuinely as well, I have to say, I, I did read that apology from the commissioner. And, and uh, you know, I, yeah, had even, I, I had even t- tweeted out, good for him to take responsibility for this. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. Uh, and, you know, people argue whether that was too little too late. Uh, the fact of the matter is that there was an apology, which was the right thing to do. Um, and moving forward, I think the league is only going to grow as long as uh, I think people t- also take into account the, the positives that is, are happening within this league. Absolutely. So speaking of the NWSL, as I mentioned in your introduction, you've played in the Women's Bundesliga with FFC Turbine Potsdam. You've played in the Australian League uh, with Western Sydney Wanderers. Of course, you were part of the Boston Breakers of the WPS as well. Uh, the, the other Seattle team of the W League, the Seattle Sounders, for a year between leagues. Just curious the difference between all these different leagues that you've played in. Yeah, so the American League... Um, Ten, I mean, all the players are super athletic, but I think the the overall the high pressure in the NWSL and the WPS is is unmatched in either the Bundesliga or the Australian W League. And there's, you know, I think the the foreign players, the Australians and the European players, come into this league and are surprised by the pace and the high intensity of this league. Um, which can be definitely a pro and a con at the same time. Um, whereas if you go over to the German league, not to say that the, the high pressure isn't there, but it comes in, in bursts. And it's definitely, I would say, less um, high pressure than it is here in the States. And then the Australian W League, it's a, it's a great league in terms of being... They run their season during the NWSL off-season, so as far as timing goes, it's pretty ideal. You finish your NWSL season uh, in September, October, and then you head over to Australia for the endless summer (laughs) (laughs) Uh, during the off-season. And uh, I think... Every every player who's gone over, every American player who's gone over to play in Australia has loved it. Um, not only the the culture and the atmosphere of the country of Australia, but also the league in general. Uh, it's it's continuing to grow. It definitely still needs some some work um, as far as you know the support, the fan support, 
uh, financial support and um, you know treating I guess each club treating their players as professionals and having a professional environment but uh, it is a great it's a fun league to play in especially during the NWSL, NWSL off season and uh, I I've been telling a lot of my teammates that, that they should go and, and play and get games in over there. Keelan, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Two Up Front. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Seattle takes on the Portland Thorns in Portland on Saturday, July 30th, 1030 Eastern. I wish you the best of luck with the rest of the season, and thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Keelan Winters, captain of the Seattle Reign, spending time here on Two Up Front. Wonderful to talk with her, and uh, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, more exciting discussions on Two Up Front. Here on another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. I am Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan, at least for a couple more segments, although you did just hear from him in our last segment as he had the opportunity to speak with Seattle Rain FC captain Keelan Winters. A fantastic interview. Such a nice lady, and I know Simon was thrilled to do the interview. Might have pained him a little bit as being a Portland Thorn supporter, but uh, he set his differences aside, as we all know and had a great conversation with uh, Keelan Winters, of course. It is time to talk about NWSL a little bit more uh, thoroughly, and uh, as you heard in the first segment, uh, Chris Blakely has been going through the uh, show with me this week and kind of helping me co-host in the absence of Simon. Uh, We will hear from Simon again in a couple segments uh, from the All-Star Game, so stick tuned to that. Uh, But Chris, welcome back, and uh, glad to have you here on the program again. Yeah, thanks again uh, for... Let me uh, do this with you. I I thoroughly enjoy it. Absolutely, Chris. Absolutely. Well, let's take a look back at the week that was in NWSL, uh, starting with Sky Blue FC taking down the Washington Spirits. Sky Blue FC, the one team, Chris, that I know I will continue to talk about all year long, that I just never know what's going to happen when they lose. I'm not surprised when they win. I am surprised. At what point, though, I feel like, (laughs) are we going to get to the standings and be like, you know, they actually deserve to win that game. They're not a bad team. They're 6-4-4 now with that (laughs) victory. Uh, They've got a a zero goal difference, technically. They've had 17 scored and conceded, but they now find themselves in fourth place in the NWSL standings after a a quote-unquote upset victory over, over the Spirit. No, that's good for them. I mean, they're actually they're a really good club. Uh, you know, they opened up the season out here in Seattle and, and ended the the reigns like twenty plus game home unbeaten streak. So yeah. I mean, they're obviously a good club. They got a lot of great players. Uh, and actually, the most impressive part about that is when they opened the season, they started, I believe, like five or six rookies. So I mean, that, I think so, that's unheard yeah. of, especially with the league with this much talent. Uh, but no, they're, they're a really good squad. Um, obviously with the Washington Spirit, you know, Crystal Dunn, she's away with the U.S. Women's National yep. Team preparing for the Rio 2016. So, you know, they lost a little bit of attacking power there, but you know what? Washington still has a lot of great players. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, it's, I really think that, uh, Sky Blue, you know, last couple of years, they've kind of been on that verge, kind of, they always find themselves in the middle of the table, but not quite there. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, I believe they're, I know they're in the top four right now. I, I'm not sure if they're third or fourth. They are number um, four officially. Yep. Number four. Okay. Um, and then, you know, and honestly, they, they were on the NWSL power rankings. They're the number one team right now. So really shouldn't be shocked. They're a good squad. The coach, uh, he's got it going on over there and they're, they're going to be a dangerous team if they can keep their form up. But just like you said, when they lose, you're like, ah, oh, well, of course, of course they lost. But when yeah. they win, you're like, wow, they won. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I feel bad. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but 
I don't even know what to <laughs> fully say about them, honestly. I mean, we had Kim DeCesar on the program a couple of weeks ago, and even asking her, it's like, Kim, how do you how do you justify this team? And nobody really know, seems to know like what to think of you guys. And she's like, well, we like that. We like the fact that no one knows officially how to predict what we're doing, and it, it really gives them more of a, a benefit uh, to, to really go out and succeed. So uh, nice to see Sky Blue get a victory well, in this well, one. Uh, goal in the 24th minute coming from Leah Galton, and that assistant, assist from Aaron Simon on that one. Uh, next game that uh, was a little surprising, potentially, depending on uh, who you support and uh, what you support, uh, FC Kansas City getting a victory. Uh, they got a 1-0 victory this last weekend. We know that they've been kind of flopping back and forth a little bit. They got a 1-0 victory against a team that was very hot recently in the Western New York Flash. Your thoughts about this one, Chris, and as we now see FC Kansas City move up into into 7th place, or pardon me, into into 8th place technically, uh, overall at 4-6-4, four, four, slowly starting to gain momentum back again and beating a Western New York Flash team that uh, is in third place right now. No, that's, uh, you know, I was very, as you mentioned, you know, FC Kansas Kansas City, excuse me, has been, well, I believe it was like the first five or six games of the year, they were winless. Yeah, um, absolutely you know, with a atrocious. loss or a draw or, or have, you know, what have you. But it's kind of nice to see them finally starting to click. I mean, this is a veteran team. This is the back, this is the two-time defending champions. I mean, you can't, count them out until mm-hmm. the last day of the season when they're ma- once they're mathematically eliminated um they have so many talented players on their squad they have so many veteran i mean veteran i mean look at nicole barnhart mm-hmm. i mean you sometimes the way she plays you would think she's like you know mid 20s but you know yeah. you, then you look you're like oh she's mid she's mid 30s and but she doesn't a, play yeah, like it. she's not a, a spring chicken anymore she's a great she's keeper all over the place yeah exactly <laughs> um and you know Western New York, they they're a talented team. They just came off a home and home against Seattle, beat them three to two uh, at home at Frontier Field, which we will not talk about. And then <laughs> they came back and salvaged a draw against the Rain the following week. You know it's they're a good team. They are a bit of a surprise. They had to completely rebuild that team from mm-hmm. their first year in 2013 of NWSL yeah. to now. They basically tore it down from top to bottom. Now look at the players they have. Look at the talent they have on the field. You know, I, I could see them. This is going to be the most competitive year in NWSL. And no offense, Boston Breaker fans, you guys are still a few years away. But the <laughs> other nine teams have a legitimate shot at making the Final Four. Yeah, you know, it's Boston a, doesn't. No, they, I, I they love really the don't. NWSL. I love how competitive, and I love seeing teams like Western New York who have been at the bottom the last two, three yeah. years, and then all of a sudden. It's like, boom, they're at the top. You're like, whoa, where'd this come from? Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the great part about a team like FC Kansas City, too. They're only 10 points. I know saying 10 points. They're only 10 points out of first place. You know, you get a you get a win here. You get a draw there. You, you know, you stay undefeated for a couple of games, and suddenly you're a, a top three or four team again. And that's what FC Kansas City has done a great job of doing is is bending but not fully breaking. And I know the way they started off the year, people were really suspicious. They're saying, holy cow, this FC Kansas City team, who knew losing a couple players to retirement and pregnancy was going to do so much damage to them. But I think they finally figured it out, at least for the moment, Chris. It's still a little early. Obviously, they're 4-6-4. Four, and four. We don't want to completely jump on the FC Kansas City bandwagon and say, hey, this is a whole, you know, this team is just as good as they were the last two years. But they're taking the proper steps, it seems like. Almost oh, definitely. I mean, and their coach, he's, he's a great coach. Um, and honestly, 
as long as you're in the top four, that's all that matters. Because once you get the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they if they squeeze into the fourth spot, yeah, they got to go on the road for the semifinal. But you know what? They're capable. Yeah, they have the experience. They're capable of winning in a hostile environment and advancing to the final for the third straight year. So who knows what can happen? But yeah, it's like you said, no help on the bandwagon right now. But you know what? They're slowly moving up the table, and I wouldn't be surprised depending on how some other results go over the next. Well. I guess after this week, they're in a three-week break. But let's say by the beginning of September, don't be surprised if you see they're sitting in fifth or sixth or maybe even fourth because they have the talent and the experience to get back to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with you on that one. All right, moving on to the next game, the Houston Dash playing a visit or paying a visit, rather, to the Chicago Red Stars. No Kristen Press in this game, obviously. She has gone on international <laughs> duty. Houston, a very much a depleted team as well with a lot of their stars being gone. However, both squads still fielding um, a very good amount of uh, talent on the field, ending in a 1-1 draw after uh, an, 80 minute, an 80th minute equalizer uh, in this one. But uh, the Houston Dash, uh, a team that, as many fans of the show know, is very near and dear to my heart. And, of course, when we have uh, Queen Bee Bianca Ferrara on the show here as well, she's a big Houston <laughs> Dash fan as well. Uh, we did not. I did not give her that nickname, nor did she give it to herself. I think Noel was the Noel Alberto well, was the man. It was yeah, yeah. That's exactly who did it. <laughs> oh boy. Oh wow. He he did it. He did it to to himself on that one by by giving her that name. But uh, Houston, they're three seven and two now on the season. Uh, on the flip side, Chicago, they've dropped all the way from first all the way down to fifth now. They are also six four and four. But Sky Blue have the I believe the tiebreaker on that one. Hence why they are in fourth place. Was this a good result from both teams, Chris, or did you expect something better from these two teams? Uh, honestly, I kind of expected more from Chicago. Granted, I believe they entered that game with Houston on a three-game losing streak, if I remember correctly. I do, um, yeah, I do. You know, obviously, so, yes. anytime you get a point, that's great. And I know they've been on the road for a long time, if, I, if I'm thinking of the right team here. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, they're missing – uh, press and you know they have a good keeper and uh you know michelle dalton a backup keeper i should say since they are missing their keeper yeah um for the rio games i think probably of the two teams in that matchup the most disappointing was houston because they just came off that huge victory against portland yeah i believe it was the week before three nothing and then you know when i saw that score line i was like holy heck what happened you know yeah. and like has houston Granted, finally figured it, it out and then portland they, team of course they go out and well, yeah. Granted, yeah, Portland is very depleted. They have so many international players gone right yep. now, and that kind of shows you that not to get off on port. You know, start talking about Portland here, but they rely on their international players. Yes. But anytime, and doesn't matter which league you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in the NWSL, MLS. You know, you're playing. You know, in the FA over there with the women's league. If you pick up a point on the road, that's a good thing. So in the end, I guess it's better for Houston because they did get a point. Uh, but also Chicago should have won that game. They had the better players. They're not as depleted. Granted, you are, they, as I mentioned, they are missing press and they're missing their goalkeeper. But in the end, I guess it's a fair, it's a fair result. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I and mean, obviously it's nice to see Rachel Daly get back on the score sheet again. She's got three goals now on the year. After someone that started with such promise right away in the beginning of the year, we had her on the program as well right after her Player of the Week announcement. But uh it's been a little bit quieter from Daly recently, so good to see her back and get a little bit more confidence. But still, giving up that goal in the second minute, Chris, has to don a little bit of, uh, you know, 
not necessarily uh, you know, a bit of worriedness if you're a Houston. It's be like, hey, I know we don't have Lydia Williams in goal anymore, but giving up a goal in the second minute is it's got a bit of a bit of a gut punch there, and then dashing back into it to borrow the uh, the, the the pun there, but uh, <laughs> to get an opportunity late, it's Houston needs to be better. They just need to do they need to be better at the bottom line, and you know we'll see if they're capable of doing that now. You know going forward with uh, some really big games. Um, the other game this yeah. week that um, folks were really surprised about, I feel like, seven total goals were scored. The Seattle Reign, they beat Orlando 5-2. to two. Seattle, they didn't really lose a lot of people to the uh, the Olympics right now, so it gives them certainly an advantage to, to jump up uh, in the standings. And uh, Orlando, obviously no Alex Morgan, no Ashlyn Harris. Those two spots right there immediately being gone. Certainly, uh, you have to wonder. It's like, okay, well, who's going to step up? And uh, it was just an entirely different thing, though. You saw five different people for Seattle score this weekend, two in the first half, three in the second, just a complete match overall. Chris, as someone that, as you mentioned, covers the rain, what were your thoughts about this game? And if this was a was this a, a result against a depleted Orlando team or was just just, just a good overall win for Seattle? Um, You know, I talked to... Well, I guess to answer your last question there, I think it was actually a good win. I mean, you know, granted, they're losing at Alex Morgan. That that hurts. She's one of the best players in NWSL. Um, I did talk to Laura Harvey last Friday uh, after training. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, hey, granted, yes, you don't have to face Alex Morgan, but what, you know, type of uh, – issues can Orlando cause you even though they don't have Alex and you know as she said they're well coached they have a great coach yeah Tom um, does they're a great organized job. they never give up they constantly just keep coming at you coming at you and yes Alex Morgan Ashlyn Harris Kaylin Kyle they are the face of the franchise but mm-hmm. they have so many other players you know you have Jasmine Spencer I mean there's just too many to list I mean yeah. it, they're a great team I just think it was finally it was a situation to where Seattle finally got their all their gears rolling you know the 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 wheels were finally turning you know you have Kim little penalty to open it up which by the way she became the all-time you know she's the first individual player to ever break the hit 30 goals mm. um she and then you know you had they just kept kind of piling it on piling it on and one of the goals that seattle was credited with was actually an own goal from orlando mm-hmm. um so that was kind of a gift um Haley Kopmeyer, yes, she did give up two goals against Orlando. She'll be kind of mad with that last one. It was kind of a cheap goal, but she's a great replacement to have while Hope Solo is gone for all her U.S. international you know, games. Sure, yep. She's arguably the best backup in the league, and she's a great player. Um, it's just that their team is just – it's so loaded. I mean, if you really look at it, yeah, you mentioned they only lost two players. Megan Rapino, who which they haven't had all year after yep. she suffered her ACL injury at the beginning of uh, December last year. Mm-hmm. So they're not missing her. No. Okay, yes, you're, you're you're losing the best goalkeeper in the world in the women's game, arguably. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you have Kim uh, Kim Little. You have Jess Fishlock. You have Keelan Winters, who you you know Simon spoke with. Um, and then they brought in Naho from – she came back from Japan. Yeah. You know, so – that right there, that was just a huge addition. It's like they, you look at their roster and you're like, how do they get all these players on there? How are they going to put all 11 of those players on the field at, at the same time? And somehow Laura Harvey makes it work. And 
be poised for another six to eight game un, uh, unbeaten streak, just like they did last year. And then all of a sudden you're going to look at the table and they're going to be in the top two. That's amazing. It's just, they have it. It's it what is. they do. And I, th- I think they're poised for it. It's amazing. what not having a DP rule in women's soccer does for a team. I mean, honestly though, like, uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I know U S soccer, the Canadian Federation and, and the, uh, Mexican Federation, they, you know, they're, they're helping pay these salaries and so forth, which is great. And it's actually, that's why the NWSL has been so successful these three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. It When you can actually get some of the best players in the world all together on one team, I mean, yeah, it kind of makes it top heavy, if you will, kind of sure. like you see in the NBA as an example. You have all the best players going to like five or six teams and mm-hmm. everybody else kind of just fights for scraps. Yep. But also, you know, they find a way and they make it work. And I have to credit Laura Harvey. She knew what she needed to do after that disastrous 2013 season, completely turned over that roster and made them, you know, one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Barring this year. You. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, last thing, Chris, here before um, we have to run to a break, let's quickly predict this upcoming week, yep. um, if we can. Um, Washington Spirit versus Sky Blue. Uh, they get to meet again after after just playing recently. They get to meet again. Um, I mean, I I feel like Sky Blue has already got their numbers, so why not give it to them for another consecutive week in a row? I can go with that. Are they playing in Washington or in uh, New Jersey? Ah, uh, they're playing in Washington. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give him a draw on this one. Ooh, interesting. We'll go 1-1. Okay. All right. Very Simon Provan of you to go with the draw. Uh, the Chicago... Don't no, Don't put any money on these. I'm horrible at predictions, guys. <laughs> I am, too. I am, too. <laughs> uh, the Red Stars and FC Kansas City. Ooh. I know what? I'm going to go with uh, FC Kansas City because I think they're finally starting to click. And, I agree. Uh, I think not having press and then you're missing, you know, uh, Alyssa. Back there, I think Kansas City is going to win two uh, nothing. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one too. I think Chicago is an entirely different team without Kristen Press. Uh, they did get Stephanie. Ma- is it Stephanie McCarthy? Is that is that who they just recently acquired? Is that how you is that her name? McCaffrey. Yeah. McCaffrey. Yeah. McCaffrey. Yes. Yeah, so. McCaffrey. Yeah. They just actually just got her back. So. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, you know, a, definitely a nice piece there in the Chicago defense, but FC Kansas City a much better team right now. Houston. <laughs> Uh, playing host to Western New York Flash. I would like to say Houston's going to win because I feel like Houston, regardless of all the players they're missing, still has a lot of offensive options. But I just don't know what that backup goalkeeper, I think Western New York Flash, is going to win this game. Are they at home or are they playing in uh, New York? This is in Houston. Ooh, the Heat? Hmm. It's a night game, though. I'm going to go. It's, it's at you know 730 uh, Central Well, time. it's still hot in Texas. Come on now. <laughs> it's a dry heat. <laughs> um, I, I grew up down there for a while. It gets really hot. True, um, true, true. I, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buck the train. I'm going to go with Houston. Hey, Rachel I'm Daly's not going to complain if Houston brace. finds a win. I'm not going to complain at all. Um, I will get to the, uh, the main marquee game in a moment. Uh, let's go to Boston and Orlando on Sunday. Um... <laughs> I mean, Orlando, I think, is a fairly easy option in this one. But as we saw this last weekend, anything uh, can happen. Boston hasn't really lost too many players. Are they going to put it together and get a victory? I, I I, don't know. Help me figure this one out, Chris. You know, I just – Orlando still has too many playmakers, too many key members of the team. Um, Boston, 
they're just they're they don't give up a lot of goals. They just don't score any. I was gonna say so, I mean, they just also don't um, score very much. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Orlando on this. Okay, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. All right, then the big game uh, Saturday evening at 10:30 p.m. Eastern time. Portland hosting the Seattle Rain. The Cascadia Clash uh, for, I believe it's the third time already that these teams have met this season. Uh, Portland. Second. Second time. Okay, second time. Portland, uh, very, very depleted right now. Seattle banging on all cylinders. I think Seattle is going to get the, the, the major victory in this one and continue to propel themselves up the tables. And Portland's not going to be in first place after this weekend, in my opinion, Chris. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to go with you and agree. I'm going to have to agree with you on that just because. Actually, prior to their previous meeting uh, back in May, I believe it was May 14th, they played nine times. Mm-hmm. Portland holds an advantage, ha- held an advantage of five wins, four losses, and no draws. Last time they met was the first draw between the two clubs since 20 or ever. Yeah. Um, but like you said, Portland's depleted. Seattle's clicking. I'm going to go, even though it's at Providence Park in front of the Riveteers, I'm going to go with Seattle on this one. Mm-hmm. And I really think uh, Kim Little's going to add to her total and Nahu's going to score for him as well. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, we are going to run to a break. Obviously, let us know your predictions. You can find us on social media at 2UpFront, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Let us know your predictions. Chris, what's your Twitter handle again? I am at the real C Blakely, B L A K E L Y. Very nice. All right, we're going to run to a break. Uh, when we come back, we've got much more in store for you. Stay with us. You're listening to Two Upfront, presented by shopfutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. Moving along with the program, I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proven on the road at the MLS All-Star Game. Yes, indeed. Reporting live from the MLS All-Star Game, the aftermath, it is all said and done. So, of course, those of you listening here on Friday will do realize that we did record this, of course, on Thursday, so that way we could get the, the, <laughs> the instant reaction of what took place, but Simon uh, representing two up front in all of its glory out in beautiful San Jose at Avaya Stadium as the MLS All-Stars fall to Arsenal 2-1 on a last-minute last, uh, last minute goal, basically, from Arsenal. Uh, good to see one of the reserve players get out on the field and make a little bit of a name for himself and be named player of the, uh, of the MLS All-Star game as well. Um, his name is escaping me right now because my computer is not having trouble loading. What was his name, Simon? I'm, I'm spacing on his name here. Um, Baxter, I've got to be honest with you, it was where we were sitting, which was the very last row. Was, they were awesome seats, but it was actually it was a little bit difficult to hear because we were sitting behind the speakers on the PA ah. system, and they weren't putting any names up on the scoreboard. So What the heck? looks In like it was, uh, it was Chuba, Chuba Akpom was the, was the guilty party there. Chuba Akpom, the man that scored the, uh, the game-winning goal in the 87th minute, but uh, an all-star game to remember? Maybe. I mean, I watched the entire game here at home. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun from what I saw. The first half, obviously, when you had all the stars on the field. But um, what did you see, Simon, from your, your firsthand experience? And then we can kind of cross-reference based off of what I saw on TV. Yeah, you know, I thought the couple of guys I'm out here with, we were talking about how it looked like Arsenal came to play. Um, yeah. You know, unlike the FC uh, Bayern Munich debacle that happened a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. 
you know, I, I got to imagine that the league, when they were the, when they're inviting these teams over, paying these teams to come over, that they're having long discussions with them of basically saying it's, it's not just an everyday exhibition game. Yes. You know, yep. so it was, I was really impressed with how Arsenal came out and played. And I, I thought the All-Stars did well for themselves, especially for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes there in the first half. Agreed. Um, crazy goal, crazy goal to end the first half. Oh my goodness. <laughs> with, yeah. Uh, drug buds poking that in after four attempts. Well, the, the um, hard part about it, so, too, and I don't know what your vantage point was on it, too, Simon, at least from when I was watching, I don't know why I don't know why Dos Santos didn't shoot when he got the ball in the top of the box. I thought he had a clear path, but that's only based off the it angles certainly looked that we like saw. It. A lot of us in the stadium were, were asking that same question, Baxter, of, you know, why didn't we just let it go? You yeah. got a wide-open shot. Yeah, they even, uh, even um, on TV, too, I mean, they, um, they went to uh, the mic'd-up version because Dom Kinnear was mic'd up tonight. And when Gio got the ball, they showed that clip, and he was screaming, shoot, shoot, shoot. And then he was, like, silent <laughs> as that whole, like, Drogba sequence happened. And then he was obviously like, yeah, we scored. But he was like everybody, even at home, too. I was, like, yelling at the TV. I'm like, shoot the ball, Gio. Shoot the ball. I, was, uh, I mean, it worked the only, out. The only thing I can think there, Baxter, is that obviously Drogba and Czech played together at Chelsea. And, yeah, and maybe yeah. Giovanni just wanted Drogba to have that opportunity to put one behind his old teammate. I think so, yeah. I mean, you don't make a pass like that between three defenders for fun. You know, I mean, we know Dos Santos right. has got a nose for a goal and would have shot that ball 10 times out of 10 if that's a Galaxy game or a Mexico national team game. So I'm sure that... Well, was... you certainly hope so if you're Bruce Arena. I, I would hope so. I would certainly hope so. I mean, even watching that game as a forward at home, I was like, yeah, I'd have shot that. I wouldn't have passed it. I'd have been selfish. I'd have tried to do something and try to curl it to, like, the far post or something and, you know, at least put it on frame and have Drogba clean it up or something. But, you know, right. was, obviously getting that goal right before halftime certainly changed the dynamic of it. I, I will say I love how – and they, I mean, this is obviously the benefit we had of watching the game here on TV back here in Wisconsin, but – um, showing guys like Pirlo and um, and Via play thirty minutes, get out of the locker room, and literally go to the airport and fly home. Like those guys were. Oh, gone. is that right? They were gone. Like that's why they got subbed out. Is because NYCFC's got a home game on Saturday, and they are going to be playing. So it's, that's why they came out in the thirtieth minute more so than anything is because they literally played their token thirty minutes. They left, they showered, and then there was clips of them getting into the taxis and going, you know, the 20 steps to the airport and then getting on the plane and flying yeah. home. So it was it was kind of funny. It's just like, yeah, here's my token 30 minutes. I played. I had fun. Whatever. Now I got to go home. So it was just kind of cool to well, see that I, happening. Yeah, it makes sense, too, because Vieira came out earlier this week and talked about how he is not a fan of the All-Star game. He just he doesn't understand why you're going to have an exhibition game midseason yeah. with players that you don't play with, you know, and obviously, if you're not used to an all-star game, can completely understand why somebody would be going, wait a second, I'm putting my players at risk for a game that doesn't matter? So, yeah. Well, so it's what, interesting to hear that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yep, exactly. I mean, literally as soon as most of those guys came off, even those guys that came off at halftime too, they were pretty much put back on planes and sent off to their home teams and being like, all right, you're done. Thanks for coming. You know, we appreciate it, but get on home. But I thought it was interesting, too, um, going back to how you were saying about the exhibition game, Theo Walcott had a uh, press conference a couple of days ago, and the first thing that he said was that this is more than an exhibition game. He said, we are going to take this game incredibly serious. We're still trying to get through our last bit of preseason training. We want to win a Premier League title. We're going to take this game very seriously. And they played like it, I really thought. We saw a couple of flashes with, with Theo Walcott and Jack Wilshire, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, of course. But 
Arsenal looked like they were trying to to really win the game and they weren't just trying to play humorous ball with the MLS All-Stars like, oh, we're going to dink it around you and score a wonder goal. No, they were really trying to go at the All-Stars and give them all they had, I thought. Well, and I'll tell you what, too, Baxter, they had incredible support in the stadium. I mean, yeah, I don't know what it looked like, like it. It on amazing. TV, but it was a sea of red out there. And, uh, they, you know, they, they did their fans proud with the way they played. And like you said earlier, too, when the youngsters came in, man, that, that just brought a whole new energy yeah. onto the field. And I was, I was incredibly impressed. With I what I saw from those young younger players in the second half. I would have to completely agree with you. I mean, if you think about it, too, from the younger players' perspective, this is one of your final shots to show Arsene Wenger, hey, don't loan me out. Let me let me be a part of this 18- or 23-man roster that you're going to bring into the Premier League late, and let me help you fight for a title. I don't want to get loaned out to some lower-division team or you know second- or third-division team and maybe be a starter. These guys want to play at Arsenal. They want to show that they're important cogs. And, of course, there was no Ozil for this game. There was you know, no Parametrosacker, which we know is going to be gone for a couple of months with injury as well, too. But this Arsenal team, regardless, still looked very dangerous, of course. And it was it was a good test, I feel like. And um, as fans heard earlier on in the show, too, when we had Brandon Vincent on the show, he said that he was taking this game seriously as well, and he wanted to get the opportunity to, to play against the, you know some of the world's elite and really showcase his skill not only for MLS coaches but for European coaches possibly watching as well, which I think is which is great. Sure. And, and speaking of Brandon specifically, I mean he did he had a good game back there. Yeah, they gave up they gave up a goal when he was in um it was on his but, you know, side, they gave up yeah. a goal on either either side of the half. Yeah. What's that? I said it was on his side too. At least it looked like, it looked like it was um, um, Akpom that scored the goal. He was in front of Brandon Vincent when he scored that. So I don't know if it was. Brandon uh, okay. was in, I don't know if that was Brandon's mark or what it was, but he was very close to the action when it took place. Yeah, I mean, up until that point, I guess then he uh, he played a pretty solid game back there. He wasn't letting many people, you know, let, letting them get behind him. And when he did, he caught up to them and, and made some nice, you know, whether it was coming from behind on the side, slide tackles, uh, you know, just making sure that they weren't crossing the ball in his part of the field. Yeah, no, I, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Um, I want to bring up, Simon, we had somebody right on our Facebook page following the game. Uh, I want to make sure I get the name right here. Give me just a second. Um, Matthew Held wrote on our Facebook page, and I wanted to get your thoughts about this because I was going to bring this up regardless. Um, Matthew said, not sure if you do a fan takeaways or not, but here's mine after tonight's game. Um Andre Blake, his performance is on par with some of the world's best and predict he'll be playing internationally very soon. Agree, disagree? What did you see firsthand getting to watch the Philadelphia Union goalkeeper tonight? Yeah, I was I was impressed because as we talked about on the show earlier, Baxter, with the season I feel he's been having in Philadelphia, I didn't think he was deserving of the all-star call-up. And I know some of that is, is he's playing with a porous back line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I got to agree with Matthew's assessment. I mean, he, he was outstanding. Huge save in the first half that was dipping into goal. I can't remember who shot it, but it was it was amazing shot that it's going to get past most keepers. Fingertip save, he puts it over the bar, and yeah. it's a corner kick, and, yep. and you know, no trouble there. But but yeah, Blake in that first half played some amazing soccer, and of course, the only goal that was scored against him was the penalty kick, and which even, I actually have a question for you about that. From yeah. our vantage point, to me, it looked like a clean shoulder-to-shoulder play, um, but I was also 120 yards away <laughs> and probably 50 feet in the air, Yeah, um, 50 yards in the air, so I'm curious whether, you know, you got to see that on TV. Was that a, was that a good PK call, or was 
was that maybe a bit of uh, controversial? Um, I think from what the referee there. from what the referee called, it did look like it was a, a penalty kick from the angles we saw. Uh, Simon did kind of go through the legs of Joe Campbell a little bit. Um, orig- okay. Originally okay. from the from the back, like if you're looking at the players' backs, it looks like Joe Campbell's the one that just like almost he like he pushed Simon, but the front angle of it coming like at you, you see Simon clearly go through the legs of Joe Campbell and take him out. So the ref definitely got it right in my opinion. Okay. Good to know because I, I could not tell at all, and obviously, yeah, no, it it did happen really fast. They don't show really those fast. kinds of replays in the stadium, so yeah, no, I mean, and credit though too, as you mentioned, going back to Blake though for a moment, he guessed right as well in the penalty kick. I mean, I I, I he feel did, like, yes, you know, it just Joe Campbell's put it in the one spot that a goalkeeper couldn't get to, you know, bottom line, at the, right know, from that perspective. But um, what other takeaways did you? I mean, it's it's hard to really judge players, Simon, of course, in an All Star game like this. I mean. I thought for the moments Jovinko was on the field, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, I thought, you know, he just has such a – his first touch just, just sends shivers down my spine with just how insane and how calm he is on the ball. I think it's just a world-class Yeah, the, thing. the one thing – I wanted to see a little bit more from him, though, to be honest with you, yeah. Baxter. Yeah. I didn't – you know, with what we see him do in MLS, actually, I wanted to see him take more players on and try to – match what he can do in an MLS game to do against, you know, higher level club like Arsenal to see if he can get through a couple of guys. Yeah. I'd um, have to agree with you on that yeah, one great, too. Great first touch, but a lot of times he was laying that ball off when I I'm thinking, Oh man, do what you do what you do. That's why you're on this team. <laughs> exactly. No, I can, um, I completely agree with you on that one too. Yeah, other other takeaways, like I said, when when Pirlo was on that field, man, it's it's amazing to be in person and watch how he can drop a ball on a mm-hmm. dime from fifty yards away. Oh my gosh! Even watching it at home on yeah. TV too. I mean, anytime I, I, the only reason I will ever willingly watch an NYCFC game is just to say I got to watch Andre Pirlo play like that. Sure. that like that, yeah. that alone, like, is the only reason I would usually tune in for even a couple minutes is just to see those those dime dropping passes, as you mentioned, just. And just just to be like, wow, like that's that's I don't I can't think of a lot of other players at any level right now that can do that. Even at even at his age, like that's incredible. He's he's mid right. to late thirties and he's still making a, he's still making passes he made when he was early on in his career. It's it's absolutely remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess my other takeaway too. I got excited when I saw that Piatti and Drogba were going to be on the same field, and obviously ended up paying off. In mm-hmm. the uh, later stages of the first half, there. Yeah. Um, but again, there too, I think we could have saw a little bit more. I thought it was a smart move by Dominic Kinnear to to get those two guys together because if if there was a combination of players that could do some damage, that was it. The tandem of Piatti and Drogba. We see what they do in Montreal with the impact, and uh, you know we, we saw a little bit that little bit of that tonight in the All Star game as well. How how terrible is Kyle Beckerman in person? Because he looked pretty bad on TV. <laughs> Well, again, with the guys I was hanging out with tonight, <laughs> Beckerman came in, and we just—I couldn't help but crack a joke about, "Oh, look, Beckerman's doing what he does best. He just kicks the ball." Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's all he did. He would get the ball and just boot it. <sighs> it was painful. It was really painful to watch. I mean, I I would say if there's one other player that was on the field tonight that I was very disappointed in, I honestly thought Mauro Diaz did not play very well. I was really looking forward to seeing him around a, a lot better supporting cast not that fc dallas has a bad supporting cast but i wanted to see more from him and i just didn't see that really i was really surprised at yeah how poor he played yeah you know 
part of this is you got to remember these guys only came together for two or three days. Yeah, yep. You know, so so to have that, I mean, we saw that very early on of of not knowing who's going where. You know, it it definitely wasn't the type of performance where somebody's got the ball and they know exactly where to put it. You saw yep. guys making runs that weren't expected from the, from the guys that did have the ball. You know, and that that comes down to the fact that it is an all star game. Soccer is not the type of game where you can gel very quickly, especially when right. you're used to playing with with other players. You know, so I guess that's the big takeaway is is just realizing the game is what it was. Um, but I thought compared to other MLS All Star games, this one was actually quite exciting. And again, giving credit to Arsenal for coming out playing tonight, and for the uh, MLS guys. Come out and playing, but also still understanding that at the end of the day, Baxter, it is an exhibition. You know, there were there were a couple of times where that ball was rolling to Peter Check. Where if this was a regular season game, you're going to see Giovanni dos Santos really challenge that keeper and maybe even risk going for that ball. Yes, you didn't see that at all tonight. Yeah, you know? I'd and have to agree with that's, you. That's the only respectful thing to do in a game like this. Yes. Yep. No, I completely agree with you on that one too. And it was interesting too. I had the opportunity to watch the game tonight with um, a not as educated soccer fan. And the questions that he was asking about the game and just the way he was analyzing the game, too, was very interesting, too, because I feel like all-star games as a whole, Simon, are just kind of a kind of a laughing point for the most part. I mean, I, we know Major League Baseball is important because the, you know, the, the East and West play, and that's big implications for home field advantage in the World Series. So there's there's a good reason for that. But otherwise, most all-star games nowadays are kind of a laughing matter. The NBA all-star game is like, you know, 453 to 685, you know, for right. the final score. And, you know, it's it's always weird. But um, I'm curious, too, if since you've been in San Jose, have you heard anything or any fans even talking about a possible switch back to East-West or a different form of all-star game to make it a little bit more exciting? Not at all out here. I mean, again, I, I felt that this, this game was about as exciting as you're going to get with an East-West match. Um, you know, because in the early days of MLS, they did the East-West thing, yeah. yep. and it became exactly what you're talking about. You know, Landon Donovan scoring four goals and ripping his shirt off and showing his uh, Brandy Chastain bra underneath his jersey. <laughs> you know, it's all fun and games. I got nothing against that. Uh, but it does make it a little bit special when you're playing against these world-class clubs. And, yeah, these, you know, let's face it, these MLS players want to get noticed. Yep. If there might be somebody watching in or, or, of course, by the club that they're playing against. So there's something at stake there. And if you bring in the right team who has the right attitude about this, a.k.a. not a Bayern Munich, but an Arsenal, a Manchester Well, the United. Germans are always uptight about everything, so let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, as much as I, in some ways, despise this format because I think it does show a bit of an inferiority complex on MLS's part, at the same time, i got to be realistic and know, you know, this, this league, it's not Premier League level. Um some of these players are Premier League level, but but there's still some out there that their dream is still to get to that next level. Yeah, and this is a great way to do that. I completely agree. You know, yeah. So, so I, I I haven't heard I didn't hear a single peep out of any fan about man I wish we would do an East West thing. And let's face it, for a lot of people there tonight, this will be their only time in their life that they get to watch Arsenal play. And that's you the know, big so argument in, in against, that respect, yeah. too. It's a smart move by MLS to bring these teams in. Yeah, no, that's that's always the biggest argument for it, too, is, especially for people living in the U.S. It's like, when are you going to get a chance to see Arsenal, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Tottenham, 
you know, in America. I mean, yes, there's the International Champions Cup that takes place sometimes too, but to merge the worlds of, you know, you get your Premier League supporters and your hardcore MLS supporters and you put them in the same room and it's it's a lot more exciting and you kind of satisfy all the needs, as it were, and it, it makes more people happy in that regards. But it, it's sure. always interesting, you know, to see stuff like this and where people settle on it and what needs to be done or proposed to make the All-Star game more entertaining because... You know, the concept, of course, is nice because you want to see the best players play and the what-if situ- you know, situations of what if we had Dos Santos, David Villa, and Kaká on the field at the same time? How good would they be, you know? But, you know, that's always that's always the hard part. And I think we've talked about this too before, Simon, about having a MLS versus a Liga MX All-Star game and um, almost a second yes. USA versus Mexico thing. I feel like that almost would be more entertaining, I think it would be more entertaining. However, the risk you take with that is it becoming a almost a U.S.-Mexico game where now you are having players injured because they're going so all out um, that I don't think I don't think coaches I I was always for that Baxter until really thinking about it and, and talking to one of my buds out here about that. I think at the end of the day, it would become too serious of a game where now you're putting too much at risk. True, and that would almost need to be no, something that's, that that's takes place another at, angle like, to look at, at like the end of the year or something, you know, where there is nothing, right. quote unquote, left to lose, kind of a thing from a player's perspective. But it's like, you know what, let's go after it. it. In that respect, though, now you're looking at Liga MX being midseason, you know? True. So that's the hard part. You so know? No, no matter where you put it, somebody's going to be in midseason. Yeah, that's that's I I totally get that, and that's such a, a hard thing to to kind of figure out. But uh, what other final takeaways did you have for us, Simon? Before we uh, before we let you run, sir. Well, I got to tell you what, Baxter, the pregame events that they had were awesome for the fans. First of all, you didn't even need a ticket to the game to partake in them. Uh, you could just walk in, and it, I got I got so much swag here, Baxter. I felt like I walked out of a trade show after this. <laughs> uh, got a soccer ball. I got a scarf. I got hats, Jeepers. trading cards, uh, t-shirts. is is pretty pretty awesome. Um, and so their sponsors. Not only was it cool with the swag, but you actually had to earn most of it. And they were, you know, it was through um, basically skills challenges. But they were legitimate oh, okay. soccer skills challenges. Nice. You know, so okay. it wasn't just a matter of putting a ball down and saying, "Hey, kick this in the goal." You know, they had they had. Uh, couple of things where they were checking your speed on your shot, uh, dribbling through, um, you know, cardboard cutouts for a skills challenge. They had one where they had several different goals and each goal was different points. It was, man, I think we were there for three, three and a half hours and didn't get bored once. It was hot for this <laughs> Wisconsin boy, you know, but, uh, yeah, yep. I but I got my root beer floating. <laughs> muscled through there you go hey as long as you uh you had a good time and sweat a little bit you know it's uh it sounds like a good time to me honestly simon and the stadium baxter is absolutely beautiful i was it's gonna actually, say is it as pretty really, as it looks like in person as it does on tv it, I, it, even more pretty i was more impressed being there in person and it's I actually bet. i said this in one of my facebook live videos it's really cool especially in the seats that we were in that it's right next to the airport and mm-hmm. you just you know I'm a plane lover. I don't know. Well, my dad was in the Air Force, so that's why. There but you go. Makes it's sense. It's really cool watching the game, but also in the background, you you know, just seeing these planes landing and taking off. Yeah. I, I just think it's a it's a beautiful setup. It's a really cool setup. And, of course, you know, having the world's largest outdoor bar is, is kind of a cool thing, Yeah, too. I saw you mention that, too. I was like, oh, okay, then. It sounds like a good time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, fantastic. Well, Simon, I appreciate you giving us your uh, your full report from the MLS All-Star Game. And, of course, we look forward to having you back officially in the studio again next week, of course, as well. Absolutely, Baxter. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me check in with you and, and spending a good deal of time for me to just sit back and think about the, the game that it was and the experience that it was. Absolutely. You're very welcome, sir. Well, safe travels, and we will uh, we'll talk to you again soon, Simon. Thank you. Sounds good. See you soon, Baxter. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more in store for you. Chris Blakely and I are going to break down what happened last week in MLS and what is happening this upcoming week. You're not going to want to miss it. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Hang with us. Studio 2 up front, rolling along. I am Baxter Colburn. Simon Proven, you heard from briefly there in our last segment as he checked in from the All-Star Game and what a crazy time he's been having out there in beautiful San Jose, California at Avaya Stadium. I am Baxter Colburn. Joining me this week from a distance but still co-hosting is the man Chris Blakely, one of the many distinguished editors over at Vavil USA. Chris, welcome back. Glad to have you here and I appreciate you sitting in the co-host chair, uh, even if it is remotely for Simon this week. Hey, not a problem. Those are those are some big shoes to fill, but thanks for having me on this week. Absolutely, Chris. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into uh, MLS as a whole. As we just heard from Simon in our last segment, uh, he did a very good job of outlining everything that happened at the All-Star Game. So let's take a look uh, briefly back at the week that was in MLS. Uh, some really big games. Um, we'll start just briefly uh, with just a couple of games. Obviously, we will talk about all the scores, but we want to focus in on a couple more. Um, Friday night, we had RSL and San Jose. They battled to a 1-1 draw. A very uh, traditional game, I feel like, for what both teams are doing right now, Chris. I mean, RSL, they are not nearly as dominant as they used to be. And, of course, Dom Kinnear, San Jose Earthquakes, um, just kind of trying to stay relevant if they can in the Western Conference, which is not easy to do, but... Um, with the way everything is going right now, this didn't really affect too much RSL. They find themselves in fifth place now, and San Jose finds themselves in eight. But a win here, a draw there, and suddenly you're back in the playoff race, which is which is the great thing about, of course, Major League Soccer is that pretty much all the teams are still in a playoff contention until pretty much the last week or two of the season. But uh, was this a respectable result from what we feel like from uh, from RSL and San Jose so far at this point in the season, Chris? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Just like, you know, you said, it's just kind of neither one. RSL isn't the way they used to be, you know, prior to uh, Jason Christ leaving. And, you know, Dominic uh, Kinnear still doing, trying to get everything ironed out in San Jose. I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. I mean, honestly, when you watch an RSL game, that's kind of what I expect. You know, yeah, yeah. hard defensively fought battle. You know, so you know, a one-one draw—that that seems about right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's the thing too. I mean, neither team is really doing a lot right now to make you to wow you, saying, "Holy cow, did you see what RSL did?" or "Wow, did you see what San Jose did?" I mean, San Jose—they've only won one game out of their last six. RSL now—they—they uh, they haven't won in their last six. I mean, they've drawn four games and lost two over the last six games. So nothing too—nothing uh, too exciting really coming out of either of those camps. Uh, the the bigger games though, Chris. I mean, well, let's skip over these other ones. Houston and Vancouver. They drew zero zero. I expected better from Vancouver. Houston is just really kind of the dead weight of the uh, of the of MLS this year. They don't really know what to do with themselves. 
Uh, New England, they got a, a, a late winner against Chicago as well, beating them 1-0, so that certainly helps, and I'm very thrilled by the Revolution, of course, getting a victory, hanging on to sixth place in the Eastern Conference right now. But as I mentioned, games that we really don't need to spend a lot of time talking about, unless you have a thought about either of those games, Chris? Uh, No, not really. I, I'm right there with you, though, about the Vancouver game. They should have done more with that. You know, Houston, they're just in shambles. You know, they let go of their coach earlier and, it, who knows, you know, as a native of Seattle, I, I'm kind of glad there's somebody that, that's able to prop up the Sounders. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. It's it's. I feel like Vancouver's the one team in MLS, though, that really, really bothers me because I think they have so many good opportunities to really be, you know, just incredible. I really feel like they do, but they just haven't been able to put it all together. They've got the talent. They've got an incredible goalkeeper in David Ousted, but... They just can't put it together, and I feel like that's really, really frustrating, especially if you're a Vancouver Whitecaps fan. Oh, yeah, and especially after the season they had last year, you know, for a good majority. I'd say the first 75% of the season last year, they looked, you know, nearly unstoppable, and now this year they kind of come out. And David, you know, Osted, the, you know, their keeper, he's faced, I believe, the most shots in MLS this year. I do believe you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's I know he has the most saves, so... Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, crazy. David, David Osted has stood that, on his head Especially and getting some. to see them all the time. I mean, it's kind of a shock. I was thinking last year they finally turned that corner, and then here they are this year. They're kind of right back to where they've been the last yeah. few years. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you on that one. So, uh... A lackluster result there for Vancouver. Uh, they find themselves in sixth place in the Western Conference, though, right now. Houston, bottom of the table. Uh, technically tied for second worst in MLS with 19 points at a 4, 7, and 9 record. Uh, a couple games to really hone in on. Uh, Columbus and Orlando. Uh, Columbus was up 2-0 in this one, Chris, and Orlando found a way to battle back. Kyle Laren, Kevin Molino really doing great things for the club right now. But still, just not enough if you're Orlando. And if you're Columbus, you got to do better. you got to hold on to possession of the ball. you got to hold on to a, a victory because both of these teams are still, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, very much in the playoff race in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, man, Kyle Laird, he's, uh, he's an incredible player. Uh, Orlando's lucky to have him for at least now. Uh, you know, obviously all the uh, rumors going around about teams in Europe looking at him, but it's uh, yeah, you're right though. Columbus they completely gave that away, you know, game away, and I believe that's the second week in a row, or at least the second in three weeks that Kyle's tied up the game. So I mean, the and now they got Jason Christ coming in, so who knows what's going to happen? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Jason Christ was not a part of this uh, Orlando Columbus game. They wanted to give him another week to just get settled with the team, of course, uh, but he will be with the team for their first home game here coming up. Uh, this coming week, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, Chris. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, Portland and L.A., a very intriguing game. L.A., Robbie Keane, 2-1 over the Timbers. As a Sounders supporter, Chris, I'm sure this makes you happy because it uh, knocks the Timbers now out of playoff contention, and L.A. continues to to be quietly good. And I say quietly, and I Simon got on me this for this last week. He's like, well, they're not being quiet. I'm like, well, they are to an extent. Because LA's in third place. They're not in first. They're not hoarding themselves over all of MLS saying, look how amazing we are. They're, they've only, I mean, they've got 35 points. They've got the third best amount of points in MLS, which is great, but they're in third place behind a very good Colorado Rapids team and an even better FC Dallas team. LA, I think, is, is quietly having the best season in MLS, regardless of what Colorado's doing, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, but honestly, if you look over the last few years, this is what LA does every year. They just mm -hmm. kind of hover 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 
and then boom, next thing you know, they're right there at the top fighting for the supporter shield. Uh, but going actually going back to that game, uh, obviously the loss hurts, but I think what hurts them even more is them losing Matt Borchers. Yeah, uh, having, for, have, having done to have for the surgery. year, I believe. Is that and then right? Ridgewell, you know, he, he's been injured. So, I mean, that's your two, that's your two center backs. Um, you know, Caleb Porter is going to have to get his, you know, have to get everything together. And I was seeing uh, earlier this week that they were talking about uh, – Portland's expecting to announce two defensive signings, so we'll have to wait to see what happens there. But, yeah, you have you to know, think if you're the Timbers, you got to go out and get somebody as soon as possible, especially with Borchers being done. Oh, for sure. And, you know, Summer's saying this was probably going to be his last season, so that may be the last time we ever see him on the pitch. Which would be just horrible, honestly. I mean, for him to go out like that, I mean, maybe he should have yeah. retired after MLS Cup last year. So either way, though, Galaxy 2-1 winners in this one. Uh, let's go to Montreal and Toronto for a brief moment. Uh, the Canadian team's doing really well this week. Uh, nine goals from both of them uh, total. Montreal got a 5-1 victory over Philadelphia. I certainly didn't think this was going to be as much of a goal bonanza as it turned out to be. How about Didier Drogba, though? Uh, three goals for him. Ignacio Piatti with a goal, of course. Uh, and then on the flip side, though, for Toronto when they played D.C. United, three goals for Sebastian Giovinco over D.C. United and a 4-1 victory. Were you surprised at all by these results after how well Philadelphia had been playing and then even how D.C. United has kind of been playing as well recently, Chris? Uh, most definitely with the way the, the Philly-Montreal game, the way that kind of turned out. I was shocked when I saw the scoreboard. Um, but, you know, it is Drogba. It is Piatti. Um, obviously, those are their two best players. And yeah. They're both on the field at the same time. You know, you could see a lot of 4-1, 4-0, five-goal games from Montreal when those two were clicking. Um, in regards to Toronto, it was only a matter of time before Gio Vinco scored again. Yeah. Vinco, excuse me. Um, <laughs> and, what a, you know, and what a way for him to score, too. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the thing is, when he lands up for a free kick, you know, if it's within 30 yards, you got to worry. Oh, easily. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> it's just, you know, he's an incredible player. I'm, I'm glad to see that he came to MLS. And, you know, Toronto, they got to, you know, looks like Altador is going to be healthy. Uh, you know, Michael Bradley, you know, just if they can keep everything together, maybe they can make the playoffs again for the second year you know, <laughs> in the rope. There's still a lot of time to go. Yeah, I was going to say, there's still a lot of time to go. They have played 20 games, so they have 14 left out of the 34 total of the regular season. They're in fifth place in the Eastern Conference with 27 points at a 7-6-7 seven, and seven overall record. If you are Toronto, Montreal, right above them in fourth place, 29 total points, 7-8-5. and five. Philadelphia, even after that loss, they still hang out in third place with 30 points, 8, 6, and 7, as we know they had a great run recently. Uh, you you got to wonder, though, too, going forward, you know, D.C. United, uh, not D.C. United, pardon me, Montreal and TFC could be some incredibly uh, deep runs made by each of those clubs. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it, of course. Oh, for, well, yeah, it, for sure, but know. also keep in mind, Toronto has a ton of home games left. Yeah. So. That's Which, in their advantage. I, you'd like to say that is, but at the same time, though, Chris, Toronto's actually been pretty horrible at home this year so far. They haven't done as well as most teams would, you know, but would potentially do at their home stadium. Well, you know, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> but maybe you know they, they they played a lot of games on the road, so. Maybe they're just finally trying to get back in the group of players. Sure, and that probably helps though too from a rest aspect as well to say, hey, you get to as a player, you get to you get to have to play two or three games within a ten day period, but three all three of those games are home games. Well, you're going home and sleeping in your own bed that night. You're not going to a hotel. You're not dealing with all those other travel craziness. Like it's it's a lot easier to play a couple of games in a short amount of time when you can go home to your own bed and just relax with your family instead of 
on the road worrying about all those other crazy things that could potentially happen. Oh, most definitely. That's a huge advantage, especially late in the season when you're you're going to have a lot of yeah. games. You know, I, haven't, I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I don't know if there's a lot of midweek games coming up, but if there is, that's going to be a huge advantage for them. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, all right, Colorado and FC Dallas, the marquee matchup that was supposedly supposed to have Tim Howard baptized by fire by FC Dallas, and uh, he stood on his head and he... Did a silly little dance and did a great job of keeping this game as a as a one one draw. I mean, credit to FC Dallas for fighting back in this one, and uh, I think it was Victor Yola who scored an absolutely wonder goal to to tie the game at one all. But um, you know, a, a good result I feel like from the two best teams in MLS. But you would have really liked to have seen a clear winner. I feel like. But you know, honestly, they are the two best teams in the league right now, at yeah. least on the western side, and you know. I figure a, a draw is respectable because they are the two best teams. I mean, Agreed. They're going to give each other their best. And of course, and I agree with that, but I think there was so much of a craving to really see one team assert themselves because there's been these arguments going with both of these teams for so long. Like, well, hey, Colorado hasn't lost a game in, what is it now, 15 games or 16 games they haven't lost a game, and FC Dallas is just rolling through their opponents. They've got 12 wins now. You know, you'd, you'd like to say, hey, Let's get these two teams together because this could potentially be a Western Conference Championship matchup, you know, before who goes to, you know, if someone represents, you know, the, the Western Conference and MLS Cup this year. But I, I personally, I want Tim Howard to really just get that first good beat down in MLS. And I thought FC Dallas is going to give the opportunity to really just shut Colorado down and shut their supporters up, too, because I'm a little tired of all this, how, oh, oh we're the best team in MLS. Eh, not really. You really aren't. And I, I, <laughs> I was really hoping that FC Dallas is going to be the team to just kind of put the Rapids back into their place and say, stop trying to be a good team because you're not. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it finally looks like that everything that, you know, uh, Master Masteroni's been doing the last few years is finally paying off and, you know, they do have a good team, but, you know, like you said, they're, they're clearly not the best team in MLS right now. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, it's soccer. Anything can happen. All it takes mm-hmm. is one injury. Obviously, the addition of Jermaine Jones has been huge. It's been them. huge. You yeah. Know, they're going to roll with it. I agree. I completely agree. All right. Let's uh, briefly look at what happened on Sunday. Sporting Kansas City beat Seattle 3-0, and the Red Bulls won the end of the New York Derby as well, 4-1 to over NYC FC. Um, uh, let's talk about the Seattle game, of course, briefly, Chris. We talked about it in the first segment. Jiggy Smith getting fired after this game, or mutually agreeing to part ways. He got fired. Let's not even let's not even pretend to talk about it like it's more of a a civilized thing than it really was. But um, Sporting Kansas City, if you're an SKC fan, it's great that they got a victory uh, and proving that the, there's still a little bit of life left in the team. I mean, they found themselves back in fourth place again. Sporting Kansas City is a hot mess right now, Chris. They really are. And, you know, a 3-0 victory over one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, it's nice to get on the score sheet three times. But at the same time, they need to go out and beat quality opponents. They just haven't done that in a long time, I feel like. Oh, yeah, no, that, that's 100% accurate. And, yeah, you know, when you play a team that's been playing as badly as Seattle, that's a game where you get to patch your stats and so forth. And that's exactly what they did. Um you know, and the, I think actually the, the biggest thing that sucks for Sporting Kansas City is they're going to lose Beasler again because since he chose to sit out the All-Star game because of an injury, he's automatically suspended for the next league game. Which yeah. I hate that rule. It's stupid. They need to get rid of it. I agree. But, you know, so now they lost him for the game against Seattle. Granted, they didn't need him, but now they lose him for their next game, and that's just not fair to him or the team. Agreed. Uh, I completely Regarding agree. Seattle, 
it is what it is. We'll see what they can do this weekend against L.A. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, Sporting, they take on Portland, as we'll talk about here in just a moment. Let's talk about the New York Derby as well. Um, they're saying it's a rivalry match. I personally am still a strong advocate for saying that this is not a rivalry yet because I need to see much more uh, gusto from NYCFC. You can't call it a rivalry match when one team has won, what is it now, five out of the six meetings overall? I think that's just that doesn't classify a rivalry in my part. You can see that the, fan, that the players and the fans hate each other. That's great. Still not a rivalry. You need to have both teams capable of of you know tilting the series one way and right now this is just the red bulls going around going cross town and beating up their little brother a couple of times a year right now oh for sure and and in the first game of the season when you get beat when you give up seven goals to your quote-unquote rival it's not a rivalry if that's your rival you don't let them score seven on you i don't don't, don't care who you are and i would have Um, been a bigger advocate too had nycfc won this game by a convincing margin. If this had been 4-1 NYCFC, I would have been a little bit more persuaded to be like, you know what, we are nearly to that rivalry point. But because the Red Bulls won again in such a demanding fashion, it's still not a rivalry. It won't be for at least another two or three years, in my opinion. Oh, exactly. I agree with you. And what, did the Red Bulls score, what, 11, 12 goals on them this year, and they only gave up, what, three? Uh, they so, gave I mean, up, yeah, they gave up three, three in three games. And, uh, yeah, the Red Bulls have scored 11 goals in three games. So it's not a rivalry. Maybe next year. Maybe doubtful. Like I said, I, you got to you got to put together another year or two of consistency to really really get after it. Um, all right, not a ton of games this. Well, actually, everybody's got a pretty good a good slate of games this weekend. All right, let's look at it briefly here, Chris. Uh, NYCFC and Colorado playing on Saturday. Uh, the top of the East in NYCFC and the second best in the West. Um, it's hard to know exactly who to pick in a game like this because of how different stories they are. The game is in New York, Colorado obviously traveling, but we know Tim Howard shines when it comes to marquee games as well. Uh, I think Colorado finds a way to vic- get this uh, victory and uh, continue to move up in the standings. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it might be a little, <clears throat> excuse me, it might be a little tough for them because they're playing on the on a field that's the same size as my kitchen table. But, <laughs> um, you have a big kitchen table. <laughs> I've, other than that, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of star power for New York City, but I think, you know, Colorado, they're more about a team mentality. And so, I mean, obviously, they're all about a team mentality, but they don't have a ton of, of mega superstars. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll give, the, I'll give the edge to Colorado on this one, even though they're traveling. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Um, so, NYCFC and Colorado, as we mentioned, both Chris and I taking Colorado in that one. Uh, moving on to the next game, we have Sporting Kansas City and the Portland Timbers. What do you like about this game, and who's your victor? Um, I like the fact that Sporting gets to play at home. True. Um, I like the fact... That's about all I like, really. Um, I don't really like either one of these two teams, because, you know, as we mentioned just a moment ago, Sporting Kansas City, they've been so inconsistent. Portland's Portland. I mean, they're going to be struggling on the defensive end. Um, but you know what? I might just it's, – it's, it's excuse me. It's the first of a home-and-home home between the two clubs. Um, I'm going to give this advantage to uh, probably Portland because they have a little bit more firepower on the offensive side. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it, for me, this is so hard because now that Nat Borchers is gone and Liam Ridgewell has been in and out with injury as well too – you don't know what Portland team is going to show up, honestly. And now that we've really started to see the the full effect of the Jake Gleason era, 
as the full-time goalie for Portland now, you got to wonder how good is this Portland team, especially after that that 2-1 loss to an L.A. team. But at the same accord, Sporting has been atrocious and so inconsistent. And I think Portland does find a way to get a victory in this game. I really do. Yeah, that's well said. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about uh, the main game that I'm sure you'll have an eye on this weekend, Chris, uh, Seattle and the Galaxy. What do you think about that one? It's, well, obviously any game is going to go one of two ways. It's going to be a great hard-fought battle or it's going to be a blowout. I'm going to lean more towards it's going to be a hard-fought battle, especially with everything that's going on in Seattle this week. Interesting. Um, okay. Just the fact of you got the new guy and uh, Nicholas Lodeiro, uh, Lodeiro, excuse me. I know I, I st- I'm still learning to pronounce this, so please bear <laughs> with me. Um, they also signed, uh, I had forgotten to mention earlier, that they also signed uh, Alvaro. Uh, Fernandez, all right. Uh, they just brought him back, so I think you're going to see a little bit of a difference uh, in the formation. I think Seattle might actually go away from that four-four-three they've been trying to implement all year and go back to a four-four-two, maybe with a little bit more of a diamond formation and put the new signing Ladero, uh, excuse me, at the, kind of the top of the point and have Jordan Morris and Clint Dempsey up top. Okay, very interesting. So you're going to take Seattle with a victory then. Yeah, it's going to be a hard-fought one. I, I, I think it's going to it's going to be a late goal, and I think it's going to be one nothing Seattle. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, it's a full stadium, too. So. I was going to say, the full stadium is certainly going to have an effect on that. Um, I'm going to actually have to go with a draw on this one. I think that, as you mentioned, it's going to be a hard-fought battle. Um, I could see L.A. getting on the scoreboard first or vice versa with Seattle getting so hyped up and getting a goal early, and then L.A. equalizing late and then it just ending in a 1-1 draw. Um, both teams obviously are going to be coming with very different ideas of what is going on with their season, of course. But uh, I think a draw is a good is a good overall result for both of these two teams, uh, in my opinion. Honestly, I think that this is I think that would just yeah. I think that's what's going to end up happening. Um, yeah, for sure. And and the fact that this is the third meeting uh, since July 9th between the two, if you count the U.S. Open Cup match they played uh, last week, so. Uh, <laughs> Seattle's going to kind of hopefully figure them out. I mean, they've had enough opportunities to play them. But, I you know, I can see it going one nothing Seattle or, as you just mentioned, one uh, a draw of some sort. Yep, I agree. All right, uh, moving on, FC Dallas and Vancouver. FC Dallas hosting the Whitecaps. As we mentioned, you don't ever really know what you're going to get from Vancouver, which is why FC Dallas, I think, is going to run away with this game. I can see that. Um, I think it's going to hurt Dallas, though, that they're missing uh, Fabian Castillo. Um, he's been... He's been pretty good for them, yep. uh, but they they do have a lot of talent on their on their squad with Mauro Diaz. Yes, you know their defense is pretty solid. Uh, you know, they, I I think I'll go with you on that one. Just because Vancouver's just been so inconsistent, you don't really know what they're going to do. And it, honestly, if Vancouver wants to stay in this, uh, David Osted's going to have to pretty much stand on his head. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Um... Yeah, also, if you have not heard officially, um, what's his face there? Fabian Castillo is uh, is leave has been transferred officially. He's gone now. He's going to Turkey. He got carried through the airport apparently when he arrived. Um, the fans were so thrilled to have him there. Uh, DC United and Montreal, uh, same story, different week. Montreal is going to kick their butt again. Yeah, there. That's all you got to say about that one. <laughs> yeah, simple enough. Um, yeah, just especially with Drogba and, and all the attacking power that they have on their field. I don't if this 
if Montreal doesn't win this one convincingly, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one, which is probably now why DC United's going to win like 5 nothing. of course, now that we've talked about that. So. <laughs> Same last for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Red Bulls going to Chicago after that 4-1 victory for the Red Bulls and they only a 1-0 loss for the Fire in New England. Um, I've got the Red Bulls winning this game. Uh, now that BWP has gotten on the score sheet again, we all know from experience that he likes to score in, in, in short bunches. And I think he's going to grab another couple of goals here against a weak Chicago team, and then he's not going to end up scoring again for like seven or eight more weeks again. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would say they're not going to score. I mean, they do have their new signing. They just got a couple of weeks ago. I, I've drawn a blank on his name, so I do apologize. But he's he seems to have brought a little bit of extra, I guess, spark, if you will. Um, but I, I can I can definitely see them losing this game, though. Uh, Chicago, that is. Yeah, yep, agreed. Uh, Philadelphia and RSL. Uh, Philly not as normally as reliable as we thought they would be. And RSL kind of here, there, and everywhere. Uh, this game is in Philadelphia, but I'm going to give it to uh, Real Salt Lake, actually. I think they're going to get it. They're going to go on the road. They're going to get a much needed road victory against a struggling Union team right now. I actually think I'm going to go the other way on this one, uh, just mainly because of if they can, if Philly can figure out their defensive issues. Yeah. Um, granted, they're not playing Montreal that has all the star power. You know, they're not playing a team like Montreal that has all the, the big time players. Uh, no offense to RSL and their fans, but um, I think Philadelphia kind of you know rights the ship a little bit. Andre Blake's going to have an outstanding game, like he pretty much has been playing all year. He's been, other than a game or two here, he's been outstanding this year. And I think uh, Philadelphia gets back on the winning, gets back to their winning ways. Interesting. Okay, uh, Orlando and New England. Uh, the Revolution taking on Jason Christ in his first official duty. You'd like to think that uh, Orlando is going to go out and want to prove something, of course, to their new head coach. Uh, on the same accord, though, the Revolution, they have been pesky and cheeky recently and able to grab a couple of points in their games. Um, oh, it, it's so hard to know what to do with the Revolution every week, honestly. Same with Orlando as well, too. Both teams are so horribly inconsistent. But um, I think New England steals this game late on. And where is this game being played at? Uh, I do believe it's Orlando. I can double-check if you give me a moment, but I'm pretty sure it's Orlando. Looks... Well... Yeah, I believe it's Orlando. I'm just... You know, as you just mentioned, it is Crisis first game um, in charge. And, you know, honestly, as we talked about earlier in the segment here, you know, with the the players, Laren and all those other guys, Kaka, I just... I, I. I think Orlando's actually going to steal is actually going to pick up the uh, the win in this one. Kyle Lair, about twenty seven goals so far in a year and a half with Orlando. Not bad. Um, <laughs> he's just gonna keep going. Yeah. He's gonna score some more. Yeah. Hard to argue against that. Um let's briefly go through these last two games here and then we gotta get to a fast break to close things up. Toronto at Col- or Toronto hosting Columbus and Houston hosting San Jose. Your thoughts about both of those games? Uh Houston gonna lose that one. Uh <laughs> I just I don't see them beating San Jose. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the other game again? I apologize. Uh, Toronto hosting Columbus. Ooh, the Trillium Cup. Um, I'm gonna go with Toronto because you know what? I think uh, I, I think Mr. Sebastian there has uh, <laughs> finally got his goal scoring rolling again, and I think he's gonna I think he's gonna uh, bag a brace against a struggling Columbus team. There you go. All right, yeah, I've got TFC in this one, and then I've got a draw between Houston and San Jose. Uh, let us know your picks, of course, on Facebook, uh, two up front, and then, of course, on Twitter. 
at 2upfrontsoccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, and our email, 2upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. We're going to run to a fast break. When we come back, Chris and I will be here to give our I Believe segments and sign off for another week. You're listening to 2upfront, presented by shopfutsal.com. Stay with us. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn, no Simon Provan for the remainder of the show. I am joined on the line, of course, by Chris Blakely, who has been remotely co-hosting in the big chair there out in Seattle. Uh, We don't know exactly what Simon thinks about having a Sounders fan sitting in for him, but uh, considering Seattle has nothing better to do this year, they might as well help co-host the soccer show this year. Right, Chris? Could have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, uh, you know, it, it's a love-hate relationship there. No, um, I, I'm enjoying it, so thank you again for having me on. Absolutely, Chris, absolutely. All right, well, we've come to the final part of our show, a segment that we like to call... It is our I Believe segment here on the program, and Chris will be sitting in here, of course, for Simon, uh, where we offer a, uh, something that we believe will take place or we believe will occur in the soccer world. Uh, Chris, since you are the guest, I will go first this week to give you a couple more seconds to think about what you believe this week. Uh, for me, for my I Believe segment, uh, I am going to go with the fact of that I believe that Jason Christ is going to instill the fear of God in Orlando, and they're going to find a way to sneak into the playoffs this year. That's, you, you, that's that's actually a good uh, that's a good I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is uh, he is he mad at me for what I said? I was like, no, I, I that, didn't know. I honestly, was like, you uh, caught me off uh, guard with that one. Um, no, I, that's uh, I think you're right though. I mean, especially with that talent he's got on the field, he's the perfect coach to do that. Yeah, to get them rolling. And I'm not saying they're going to finish in the upper part of the top six. They might squeak in with the five or six seed, just depending on how everything plays out. But I, I could definitely see that. And, Get to watch some playoff soccer, hopefully, maybe in Orlando if they make it past the uh, knockout. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, Chris, what do you have for your I Believe segment? God, I hope people don't crucify me on Twitter for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do it. I think think this, I believe, sorry, not I think, I believe that this Sunday is going to be the turnaround for the Sounders. I just, I don't know what it (laughs) is, and I'm not being a a Sounders homer or anything. I just truly believe that everything that's gone on this week is going to, it's going to change. The Sounders are going to say, hey, you know what? This the, the stuff is for real. We can't mess around. We were playing for our jobs here. Let's turn things around and do our best to, uh, to squeak into the playoffs. How interesting. How interesting. All right. Well, if any of that stuff uh, actually does take place, of course, we want to hear about it from you guys. Uh, special thanks to Chris Blakely for co-hosting this week with me. Chris, always a pleasure, sir. Uh, where can people find your work and find you on social media? Well, social media, uh, you get me at Twitter at uh, the real C Blakely. That's B L A K E L Y. Um, and obviously, I write for uh, Vavil USA. Um, I do a lot of, we write a lot about soccer. So uh, just check out what we got. And if you always feel free to hit me up on social media. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, special thanks, of course, to Seattle Rain Captain Keelan Winters and uh, Chicago Fire outside back and MLS All Star Brandon Vincent for joining us as well. 
And for Simon Provan, of course, uh, briefly joining us as well from the All-Star Game. Remember, you can find the show here on Fridays on the Sports Podcasting Network, on demand, on Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and at Vavil USA as well. And uh, you can also get us on social media, as I mentioned, 2UpFront on Facebook, at 2UpFront on Twitter, at Baxter Colburn, and at Simon Proven. We have t-shirts for sale as well, $15 a piece. Go and buy one if you'd like to on our website, 2UpFrontSoccer.com. And drop us an email anytime with any thoughts or concerns or comments you have about our show and the great soccer world to upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. Chris Blakely, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you again. Any parting words for us before we sign off? No, just uh, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely, Chris, absolutely. All right, he is Chris Blakely. I am Baxter Colburn, and for Simon Provan as well, with our manager being the one above, we are two up front. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.